Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Bikes for Death podcast. As always, my name is Patrick, and I'm your host. And on today's episode, we're doing something fun and new. Uh, this was the first ever Bikes or Death live podcast that we recorded. Uh, this is going to be a new semi-regular series that we do. It's going to be hosted at Cycle East in Austin, Texas. And uh, this was our first go at it. So uh, we had about 30 people uh, in attendance on Tuesday night, and we gathered around to talk about this year's East Texas showdown. And uh, my guests for this episode were Hannah Simon and Stephanie Hall, who shared first place in the showdown, and Russell Pickavance and Ariel Marlowe, who did the lowdown this year. So those are our guests. And again, we had a live audience, so it was great to get some audience participation and hear their questions as well. Uh, we had a lot of fun. Uh, I would say that the first Bikes or Death Live was a total success. Everyone seemed to have a good time, and I think we're going to do it again. I've actually started working on scheduling the next one. I'll be announcing that one soon, but for now, let's get into today's episode First, let's take a moment to thank everybody that made today's episode possible, starting with our latest batch of patrons. So this week, we would like to thank Johnny Nepali and Cycle Nuts USA for being the latest sustaining members of the Bikes for Death podcast. If you enjoy these shows and you would like to help us produce them, we could always use your support. I always say that the patrons are the PSI in the knobby tires that keep this podcast rolling. And if you would like to help inflate our tires, you can find out more over at patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. All right. And today's episode is also brought to us by Old Man Mountain Racks. Today, Eric is joining me from Old Man Mountain. How are you doing today, Eric? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Patrick. Absolutely. It's great to have you on. Love talking about bikepacking and uh, getting people outdoors. And uh, that's what y'all specialize in. So I know y'all make primarily two racks right now, the Divide and the Elkhorn. And we're going to dig into both of those on these mini pods. But today, I thought we'd focus on the Elkhorn. So give us an idea of like what the Elkhorn is and who it might be best suited for. Yeah, so the Elkhorn uh, is a little bit of a different rack in that the uprights on it aren't made for panniers they're made for three pack mounts so you can put anything cages uh many thing cages king cage basically anything you can bolt on small bolt on panniers are great um something that's going to be more modular in that setup and strap items on rather than just having a pannier where you're dumping all the stuff in the bag um so really really great for carrying water um, and those hard items that don't do well in a bag but it still has the full deck of uh, same as the divide it's the same um, sheet metal deck there so it's solid functions as a fender a little bit and then has plenty of room to strap stuffs there works front or rear comes in short or tall so pretty much no matter the tire size we've got you up to um, fat bikes on the front nice yeah. uh, so you said those can run uh, front and rear and do those, can you fit that to suspension and non-suspension bikes as well? Yeah, totally. Uh, so we have fit kits available um, to fit basically any bike out there, um, either QR through axle. Um, we 
have the fit kit that has little studs that stick out the end uh, to give you a mounting place that's super secure and solid. And then we have what we call pucks that attach with some really, really strong zip ties. They're actually stronger than eyelet mounting um, to give you a point on the stays or on the fork uh, to attach the extenders. And those extenders come with the rack in front and rear lengths. And you can also chop the longer ones down just to really perfectly fit your bike if you need to. Um, so full suspension, hard tail, gravel bike, tri bike, whatever you want, we can <laughs> put it on there. Dude, that's awesome. I mean, that's what makes racks so great is you can turn any bike into a bike packing bike, um, which is absolutely phenomenal. Totally. So yeah. Dude, we appreciate y'all so much. We love the products that uh, y'all make and help people get outside. If people want to check them out. Where can they go uh, find you guys online? Yeah, obviously we're on uh, YouTube, Instagram, uh, Old Man Mountain Racks is our handle, and then oldmanmountain.com. And keep an eye out. We've got a lot more stuff coming this year. Heck yeah, buddy. Well, we can't wait to hear all about it. We'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Patrick. All right, thank you. After uh, Eric and I stopped recording, we were just chatting a bit and he actually told me that they wanted to set up an affiliate link for Bikes or Death listeners. So if you use the link in our show notes uh, that can be found in the show notes of your podcasting app or at bikesordeath.com, if you use that link, Old Man Mountain is going to send a little kickback as a thank you for every purchase made on their website. So uh, just something to keep in mind if you're thinking about buying a rack and you want uh, to show Bikes or Death a little love, use that link in the show notes and we thank you. Alrighty. Well, that is it. And it is time to get to today's episode. We had a lot of fun. I really, really, really want to thank uh, Russell at Cycle East for allowing me to host this at their venue. Um, I'd like to thank all of our guests for coming on and sharing their stories. And I'd really like to thank the Austin community for showing up and uh, being a part of this episode. We had a great turnout. I was uh, just tickled uh, to have such a great such a great response from the community. Uh, it really means a lot and it definitely added to this episode. So without further ado, let's have my friend Miles Arbor kick it off with the Bikes or Death theme song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your boss, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. Everybody, Ariel is ready. Ariel, are you ready? Pro slow. Pro slow. He's the pro slow award guest winner. He's the last one here. Uh, howdy, Austin. Nice. Oh, the music. Oh no, we're fucking up the recording. While, while she's doing that, we'll talk about the recording. So these microphones are for the people who's going to be listening at home. They don't project our voice. Uh, one day I'd like to have a fancy PA system, uh, but they're expensive. So you can actually hear really well in here. But if you're wondering, hey, that thing isn't on. No, it's not. Or it is, but you can't hear it. Uh, 
So this is the first time we've ever done a Bikes for Death Live. So thank you so much for coming and being our guinea pigs, especially the guests. So since this is new, I'll kind of tell you what we're going to do. We're going to do a traditional interview. I'm going to interview my fine guests here today, clapping, cheering, applauding. And uh, we would love to hear your questions, but save them till the end. Uh, we're going to open it up for questions. I actually have a mic there. And so uh, we'll like open it up and you can come up and ask your question. So today we're going to be talking about the East Texas Showdown. Everybody here participated uh, this year. And if anyone isn't familiar, that's a race that uh, Bikes for Death hosts out in East Texas, obviously. And we have three different categories. There's the lowdown, which is 160 miles. It, this was the first year we ever did it. It's, uh, it's not even a race. It's just a ride. It's for fun. Ariel did the lowdown this year, and so did Russ for fun. And they had fun, and they're going to tell you how much fun they had real soon. And then we have the slowdown, which is 280 miles, which we kind of celebrate some fun things and we celebrate the fast people. And it's kind of a mix between just for fun and a race. And then we do the showdown, which is 400 miles. And that's a traditional bikepacking race. And uh, Stephanie and Hannah both did the showdown this year. And uh, so, yeah, that's the East Texas showdown. We're like, what, two weeks uh, post East Texas showdown, something like that. And uh, our sores have mostly healed, and we're ready to talk about it. Uh, and I just want to, before we get on with it, uh, give a shout out to Russ and Cycle East. Um, I've been wanting to do a lifestyle podcast for a while, but I live in Bryan College Station, Texas, and nobody's fucking going to Bryan College. Oh, except for that one, me and him. Is that, is that David? I remember you. Are you in Austin now? Yeah. Oh, sick, man. Bike polo. <laughs> right on. One guy. So you, anyway, I knew Austin was a place. Uh, I have a lot of respect for cyclists. I know the, a lot of employees. I really uh, appreciate all like the community engagement and everything. So I wanted to host it here. This is a perfect venue. And uh, just shout out to Russ for being like super willing and uh, open and letting me host this uh, in your facility. So thank you, man. Y'all can clap for Russ. It was sincere, even though I had to ask for it. All right, let's get on to the interview portion of today's episode. Uh, just by way of getting to know y'all a little bit, um, we're gonna, the first question we're gonna all answer this one is, uh, how and why did you get into bike packing? And Ariel, you look guilty. <laughs> so why don't you start? I actually answered this question earlier this week in an email, um, but I, I think that at some point when I started to really ride bikes, when I lived in College Station, uh, Texas, and I didn't know Patrick at the time, which was funny, um, but I used to ride there and I think I saw online or something, some people bike packing, and I was like, oh, that looks sick. I want to do it. And so that became my long-term plan was to bike pack. Um, I kind of didn't really do it until I started working for Cycle East a year ago. I, at times, would just go on long rides and pack my bike out, but I never really did bike bikepacking until I helped lead a ride with Austin Gravel Collective to Bastrop, and it was my first gravel trip, and it was the first gravel like bikepacking trip I took people on. So it's very interesting how that panned out. 
Did you do that one single speed? Uh, I, I did. I think I did it on the, the GT. Answer, yeah. yeah, I did on the GT. Yeah. yeah. So my like steel 26er. Um, go big or go home. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty wild. And after that, I was like, yeah, this is what I really, what I want to do. Um, and so I do it a lot now. Nice. You should do it more. Oh, I guess I will be planning to do that. All right. All right, Russ. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to give you a very uh, dad answer and say that I don't really remember. Uh, I don't know uh, when or why I got into bikepacking. Um, I, I started uh, riding bikes about 15 years ago um, in Portland, Oregon. Uh, I, was, uh, I was squatting at Lewis and Clark College, um, uh, living in, a, in like one of their common rooms uh, and uh, typing on my old typewriter and uh, being a, a feral human being. And they had this little bike room uh, and they, had, they would fix bikes there. And I, uh, I started riding bikes then. And I just started, uh, I started as a commuter and then you know, became a, a roadie and a, a bike messenger. I did all sorts of things. And then I'm, you know, we've been leading bikepacking trips here out of the shop. We've been leading trips for six or seven years now at this point. Um, and I, I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> you still gave a good answer, even though you have no clue. It's still a great answer. Uh, yeah. Stephanie Hall. Um, I got into bikepacking probably like a lot of people after seeing, um, some cool YouTube videos. <laughs> um, and also always, uh, kind of liked going on longer and longer rides and adventures and also interested in kind of like the hiking, true backpacking. Um, and I liked kind of the cross of the two of carrying everything on your bike and you know, going wherever. Um, and then I was living in near Houston and a store or a bike shop, Cool Cat Cycles led uh, bikepacking trips. So I did a few um, with Cool Cats and really, really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think the first time I ever truly bike packed was the first time I did East Texas Showdown, um, which I don't love to admit because I was, I've been involved in bike packing for a long time because I've been, uh, working at Cycle East for four and a half years now. Um, and that timeline, like I was around while they were doing some trips, but I was still in college. And then as soon as the pandemic hit, then kind of everything, um, stopped for a while. Um, and it's been awesome in this past year having Ariel to help us like facilitate doing those trips again. Um, and I've been inspired by a lot of the people that I've gotten to see do it, um, through our trips too. Um, and I think, you know, I really started in 2021 when I did East Texas showdown the first time. Um, and I do a lot more racing than I do bikepacking. So I'm trying to balance that out a little bit more and do more of the, of the, the fun stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that I got into it mostly just because I think it's so cool that we can just go so far under our own power. Um, and it's like endless. There are so many places you can go and lots of races to be raced. Um, and I owe a lot of it to Cycle East and to. That's awesome. I love to hear that. 
One cool thing that I hope for the showdown and the, the series is that it acts as a gateway drug into bikepacking. You can start at 160, go to 280, and graduate to 400. And then next week I, or this weekend, um, the Doom. Mm-hmm. You're yeah, going to Doom. Doom. You're going to Doom. Yeah. You've done Doom before. Uh, I, did, I did Arkansas High Country. Oh, the High Country. Yeah. Okay. So I've been on that terrain, but not for, for Doom. Yeah. Uh, bigger and better. So we're going to be talking a lot about the East Texas showdown today. So let's start with your own, uh, recap of what you did this year. So Russ, you have the mic, uh, what event did you sign up for and how did it go for you? (laughs) Um, okay. I signed up for the slowdown, which is the 280 mile event. And, um, I had I had big plans. It was I was going to do 280 miles. It was definitely going to be my longest uh, bikepacking uh, adventure, uh, especially in this type of capacity. Um, and I've I've been dreaming about doing the Tour Divide for a few years now. And there's been a lot of things that have kind of set that back, including the pandemic. And so this I'm still kind of in this ramping up to this big uh, big event. And um, in January, I went snowboarding with my kids, um, and I I was I snowboarded awesome for three days straight. It was rad. We had a great time, and everything was perfect. And I came back uh, the next day, and I was like, okay, time to start. Like, let time to get it get it going. And I stood up to pedal, and my left calf, uh, some there's a stabilizer muscle in my left leg that didn't was not happy, uh, and I couldn't I couldn't really stand up to pedal. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't do any of those like mountain bikey moves, like where you like, you know, there was something in this, in this left leg of mine that was just not working right. And, um, you know, it's not my first injury. I kind of nursed it and took some time off the bike and, uh, and tried to come back. And all of a sudden it was March and it was still not a hundred percent. And, uh, I went and, uh, well, I was, I was also signed up for mid South, which is the week before East Texas showdown. And about 10, 12 days before Mid-South, I got in one good 35-mile ride. And I was like, okay, I feel good for 35 miles. That means I can go, <laughs> that means that I can go do Mid-South. And, and so I did. I went and did Mid-South and, and, and did 100 miles. And at the end of Mid-South, I got off the bike and I said, I said, there is no way that I can ride 280 miles next week. Um, and so at that point, my plans changed and I still said, maybe I said, again, gave myself like a 10% chance that I was going to do that. And then I, 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 I went to East Texas, uh, with ready to potentially do 280 miles, knowing that I probably wasn't. And, and at the very kind of literally on the morning of the event, when on Friday, we all uh, rolled out together Friday at eight o'clock. Um, it had rained the entire day of Thursday and all the way up and it was still slightly raining Friday morning and I knew the course was going to be muddy and I decided at that point that I was not going to do the slowdown and that I would just do the lowdown. So I, I switched from the 280 mile to the 160 mile knowing that my my legs just didn't have it in me to do that much. And so the, the, the lowdown um, was great. Uh, I uh, the, the plan was for everybody to do the lowdown, do about 75 miles, end up at camp together, and then do the rest of that other 160 on day two. And everybody on the lowdown did that except for three people. <laughs> um, there was a, a, a father and a daughter who just did the lowdown 
not loaded, just like rode it, and they got back very quickly. I think like at 10 o'clock, and at a, at a, and in, and I decided. One of, the, one of the things that I love about East Texas Showdown is that it is, it is a place for you to push yourself in a couple different ways, not only in distance, but also in your ability to stay up late. It's kind of become this thing where people are riding all night long um, and spending like the, a large amount of time on the bike. And so I decided that since I wasn't going to be able to do 280 miles, the other thing I could do is I could do 160 miles in one sitting. And so I did that. And I, I, everybody went to the campsite and I rolled right past it with a bunch of snacks, because at that point I didn't think that there were any more rest stops. I thought that I had hit my last stop at 70 miles and that I had to be fully loaded. So I had all I had a ton of water and I had a ton of food and I just rolled right past that camp spot. And as soon as I passed that spot where everybody turned off to go camping, I felt completely alone. I did not know about the father and daughter. And so I thought I was the first person on this part of the course. It's also the end of the slowdown and the showdown. And so I thought that I was in first place. I was like, I'm in first place. <laughs> <laughs> the, as far as the dots are concerned, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and I, rode, I rode all night um, by myself. Um, I made one little wrong turn. I rode 165 miles instead of 160. Um, I got in at 5.41 a.m., uh, so I rode from 8 a.m. to 5.41. I stopped approximately 45 times. I ate 30, 30 fruit roll-ups. Um, I ate a, a, you know, a lot of stuff, but I, I, I ate a bunch of fruit roll-ups. And uh, when I got into the bullet, there was nobody else there. Um, it was just me. Uh, and so I got to do that part of the East Texas Showdown, the, the like pushing myself into the night, which was really cool. Um, and I think that was the, the best part for me. In our defense... We made the mistake of not having everybody on the lowdown carry trackers, which meant that we didn't know when they were crossing the finish oh, no, line. That's, that's my fault. I had a tracker, but we like to be there when they finish. Right. <laughs> it's that's not the East Texas Showdown's fault. That's oh, yeah, totally that's my right. fault. We had a technical. I, I had oh. my no. I I had my tracker. <laughs> I did not get it set up properly. We have a we this have a group account for the bike shop, session? and there was a problem with getting them all onto the thing. And um, I did not have Hannah do it for me. Uh, <laughs> so it's my fault. I will take responsibility. One more. But my tracker wasn't working. And so I got in. I was, I, was, I was literally in the middle of nowhere all by myself. It was great. Yeah. So one more question, follow-up question. Why? What was your why for signing up for this year? Uh, my why is that I really am. I've, I have these big goals. And East Texas Showdown is a, is a great place to kind of get that keep moving in that direction, right? My, I have a big goal to do the Tour Divide one day, which is 2,700 miles, and and you got to do it in 27 days, and so it's 100 miles a day pretty much. I mean, that's the that's the minimum amount of time to be considered a finisher. The, the winners of the Tour Divide do it in 14. 2,700 miles in 14 days is never going to happen for me, but, like, I would like to finish the Tour Divide. So for me, East Texas Showdown is, like, a step on that journey, and that's that's what I think is the best part about it is it is yeah. a, it is a gateway drug. I love that. That's what I love to hear. All right, Ariel. So Ariel, not too long ago, swore he wasn't even going to do the showdown, slowdown, or lowdown, but somehow you wound up on wound up on the lowdown. Yes, yeah, somehow. <laughs> what what <laughs> happened and how did it go? Yeah. Um, yeah. So the first time Patrick and I ever spoke, like six months ago, eight months ago, something like that. I was like, yeah, this all, we talked about this other event and I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. And I'd love to, 
to help out. But I, I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I never want to do the showdown. I was like, I have zero interest in racing that long. I think in my mentality was like, I don't want to race it. Um, and so my plan for this year was to kind of help and be there assisting. Um, I don't know. I'm with vibes, I reckon. Uh, and so, <laughs> so probably about, dude, this was like what, three weeks out or something. Um, Emily texted me and was like, Hey, so we got someone to cover social media. Do you want to race the showdown? And I laughed and was like, no. And she was like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know. Um, I guess I'll just do the lowdown. And so I also was at Mid-South the week before. Um, and so in the preparation, I was like, okay, I'm going to do Mid-South really hard because I had very high hopes for that race. Um, and then the plan was to see how I felt and then do the show, uh, the lowdown. And I kind of really had no plan about it. I didn't look at the route. I didn't really know what was going on. At that point, I was kind of checked out. Um, <laughs> I mean, my gear is like already half packed anyway because we lead like two rides, uh, two trips a month. And so I never really uh, unpack it. It just depends on like, is it going to be hot? Is it going to be cold? Maybe. I don't know. Um, I can relate to that. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I'm always unpacking from one and then immediately yeah. just packing. Uh, it's like, which big ass bag on my handlebars is it going to be this time? Yeah. Um, and so I, I, went, I went into Mid-South. I raced single speed primarily. And so I went into Mid-South. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> That's why he writes You're right. This speed, is so the way. That. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, I don't win often, but, you know, I feel good when other people congratulate me and nod their head. Um, Mid-South was unexpectedly harder than I expected uh, for mechanical reasons. Not because single speed reasons. It's mechanicals, uh, which are the bane of my existence. Um, and so I rolled into... Uh, and what, the turnover between the two was like, I mean, what, we were back for three days. We were back in town for three days. And uh, yeah, and then we left again and my legs were absolutely killing me. Um, and so I grabbed my geared bike and I said, I'm going to have fun this weekend. And vibes. so, yeah, vibes, <laughs> vibes. Um, because I definitely didn't want to like push myself too hard, um, at least in that aspect. And so I brought my geared bike, which is what I do for easy rides. Uh, and yeah, so I did the lowdown. Um, I'd planned on doing the camp out midway. That was really something that I was super excited about because I love bike camping and, you know, it was, it was going to be really cool. Like kind of like Hannah said, it was really cool to see a bunch of people that had done cycle trips with us this past year that were at East Texas showdown. Um, and so some of them had reached out to me and we had talked like, you know, at the shop and stuff. And so some people were like, oh, you're doing the lowdown. Like, can we ride together? Are you going to do the camp out? What's your plan on how fast are you trying to go? And I was like, I'm really just trying to have fun. I'm going to be, I was like, I'm ex incredibly tired from Mid-South. And so we set off, I think when we set off, there's, we ended up being like a group of six of us. And we rolled the first day, like super pro slow. Like I think we averaged it was like 10.1 miles an hour or something. Um, it took us seven hours rolling time, but 11 hours total to do 75 <laughs> miles. Well, I swear to God, like in the best way possible, we had so much fun. Like we stopped at every hill um, and we had little tiny safety parties uh, <laughs> while we all waited for each other. Um, it's good to be safe. I yeah, love this was, community that's dude, forming yeah. out on the We're road. We're hella this safe. Cyclists, we put safety first. <laughs> yeah. Just want the, you know, it's absolutely true. Bikes are death too. This is approved. <laughs> safety first, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're um, doing it right. Pro slow the right yeah. way. And so, yeah, we did the camp out. The next day we rolled out, same group. 
kind of split it up a little bit. I think the second day we all decided to push it a little bit more since we were just going to roll in and be done. Um, and yeah, that was the end of the lowdown for me. It was really awesome. I tried to make it back to camp by 420. Uh, I'd made some false promises that that back was back to the bullet. Yeah. The, back to the bullet. Back to the finish line. Um, yeah, it was like 40. 80 miles and I needed to do it fast. You got it there like four 30. Yeah. It was like at four 30. We left. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We like, we, we left an hour late because my, it was my fault. Uh, was, I did one of those like slow pack, like slow camp, uh, pack back, like pack back ends. Uh, and then, then we stopped for like 30 minutes and had breakfast, um, uh, at this one gas station. It was pretty chill, but it was a great experience. Yeah. My lowdown experience was amazing. What about, so I got to go to the, the campfire, the, the campsite for like a couple hours, but I didn't get to stay there the whole, whole time. So how was that? It was our first time to kind of do a group campsite like that. How'd it go? Um, it was a lot of fun. I think that when we first came in, you could kind of tell that some people had come, like, gotten to the camp really early, and they were like, you know, they already set their stuff up. Um, and, you know, when you get to a campsite, it's like, okay, everyone pitches their tent on the furthest point away. Like, mm -hmm. everyone's trying to, like, get all the good sleeping spaces that are nowhere near everyone. Um, and so I ran and got my spot. The first thing, I just threw all my stuff on the ground and then walked away. Uh, and just started seeing like the interactions between people camping, um, like setting it. Some people are like talking and trying to figure out where they're going to hang their hammock. Other people were putting tents up. Um, there are a lot of different tents. I I found out. Um, like a lot of different styles. Yeah, of tents. styles. Eddie O'Day has this tent that's like a bunch of plastic bags <laughs> with like a, a tarp over. It was kind of wild. It was like cupped at the bottom, and like it was kind. Yeah, it was weird. Um, and I mean, it was actually really cool. But uh, yeah, it was it was just really cool to see that. And then as like kind of we settled in, people were making their meals. Um, uh, let's see, we had some drinks from sponsors. Um, <laughs> we had a beer sponsor. We had a beer sponsor and a coffee sponsor. And a coffee sponsor. I was going to get to that in the morning. Well, I guess <laughs> I could have talked about both of them in the morning. Oh, sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Um, it was a lot of fun. I think we put and we stayed up pretty late, if I remember correctly. Like a bunch of us were up until like eleven. Um, which I think is always surprising when you have a group of a big random group of people coming together to like camp and kind of doing their own thing. But it was really awesome to see everyone hang out for most of the night. Um, and then in the morning we all woke up and we had sponsored coffee. <laughs> thank you, Ruby coffee. Yes. Thank you, Ruby coffee. I'm sure that'll be cut in. Perfectly. You didn't say who the beer sponsor was. Uh, what's her name? <laughs> yeah. Pine and plow. Pint and Plow. Yeah, and we had the, the, best. the beer sponsor was Pint and Plow. And boy, I'm going to tell you, it was really good. It's delicious. <laughs> just delicious. And there's pictures that prove that I was enjoying them. <laughs> just, to, just so that everyone knows that. There's pictures. There's pictures. Um, yeah, no, I, I just love like, especially that camp aspect. I think that um, there is the aspect of like pushing yourself further than you've gone. But I met some people the morning of um, when we were like planning to roll out and this was actually kind of why I was a little late was that I was talking to these people that got into camp at nine 30 at night. So I got into camp at like seven, no six or something. It was like, still the sun was up. We had plenty of time to goof around in the sun while the fire was getting started. These people came in or no, actually they hit the water crossing at nine 30. So that meant that they were still Jesus at Christ. that point, 20 miles out from the campsite. And they yeah. went through like this. At this point, it was like waist deep water. Um, <laughs> it was this couple from Houston 
And they went through like that part. And when I was talking to them, they're like, yeah, we didn't hit that till 930. And we were this close to turning around. But then we were like, okay, we've already biked further than that. If we just go 20 more miles, we'll be at the campsite. <laughs> and so they ended up doing it and getting in. And we met because we were uh, drying shoes out on the grate above the fire in the morning. Me, right before I left. Them, you know, still kind of waking up. Um, and it was just a really cool moment of like, we all did our different thing. We came to this one spot. We had these moments with each other where we share these stories. And then we all packed our shit up and biked back in to the Bullet Grill. Um, and then we all had, got to party again and have another night of celebration as we watched the rest of our friends who did much more difficult things uh, <laughs> um, come in. And yeah, and it was, it was, it was awesome. Partying, partying is a core component of the East Texas Showdown. Yeah, I'm. I uh, I'm stoked that the lowdown was so well received this year. We had three categories, as I mentioned, and we didn't restrict any of the categories. It's just like go see. And I was curious, like where people would sign up, and it was almost evenly split. Split like 65 people in each of the categories, which was really affirming. And it's cool because like you know you can go with your friend, your partner, whatever, and one of y'all could do the like just go slow do the camp out, hang out with your friends. And then some maniacs don't want to sleep. They want to go 400 miles. Yeah, let's segue to the maniacs. <laughs> so uh, Stephanie and Hannah are veterans to the game at this point. Um, could y'all, since y'all have done it uh, multiple times, can you just give a, like, a brief history of like, which events you've done and, and, and where you placed and you know, start there? So I did Showdown um, a year ago and was third, I think, for women. Um, and then I came out after doing Arkansas High Country uh, to start an ITT uh, in November. And <laughs> I had terrible weather and I just cut it. Um, so I did about 280 miles of the course that time to Jacksonville and back, basically. Um, and then this past time, uh, the showdown and you, uh, tied with Hannah for first. Yeah. <laughs> her ITT was atrocious weather. Everybody was texting her, me included and telling her not to. And she said, <laughs> okay, well, so <laughs> life is complicated and planning is complicated. Oh, sure. And yeah. once I get like time off work and someone to watch my dog. It's kind of like go time. Um, and Texas weather, the rain really is like 50, 50 sometimes where it's like fine and not fine. And I chanced it. And I ended up being, uh, in the middle of the forest in a thunderstorm. Um, it was pretty cool. It was a little scary at times. Um, and then the nighttime temperature was going to drop down to like 20 with like, it feels like lower than that. And I was literally soaked, drenched wet. Um, and made the call to get a hotel in Jacksonville, which like that was always like the backup option where I was like, I'll just go out, have fun. Um, why not? Still just ride my bike all weekend. Wait a second. So uh, did that experience and that terrible weather make this year's weather so, look like a walk in the park? No, that weather, <laughs> that weather was easier because it didn't start raining until mile like 70. And so I got past all of the sand. And then when it was pouring, it was actually like more rideable than what we had this year. Um, or everything was still rideable this year, but it was easier rolling. 
And so when everybody was freaking out about the rain, I was like, everything's easy. When <laughs> Even when it rains, it's still easy. <laughs> and then got out there and was like, okay, yeah. Uh, and I told Hannah, like, while we were riding, everything was rideable, but I was like, the surface is infuriating. Because <laughs> 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 you're just doing so much work or more work than you normally would. Um, and it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's also like, you you're know not it getting could be better. Effort. Yeah, you know how much better it could be. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Hannah. So, yeah, same question. Um, yeah. So I did Showdown the first year, which it was actually in October 2021. Um, yeah, I had uh, my friend Alicia that many of you know had reached out to me and been like, hey, there's this big, long thing. Want to go do it? And we had like a whole group of friends that all wanted to go. And then <laughs> the week of the forecast was out um, and it was just like rain and rain and then like a thunderstorm and then some more rain um, for like the entire week leading up. Um, so Alicia and I and Kyle um, were three of the only people that actually ended up going um, to do Showdown that first time. Um, and so when we were preparing for this showdown and there was another forecast with a bunch of rain in it, um, I was like, well, we've already done this once. Um, <laughs> couldn't be much worse. Um, and it, it really wasn't like the first time was so bad um, <laughs> because, you know, we, we camped at the bullet the night before and luckily enough, Chris, the owner of the bullet, I like, as they were closing up on Thursday night, I was like, Hey, Chris, like, if it starts raining, you mind if we just like get under this porch? Um, and he was like, yeah, that sounds fine. Whatever. They have a and huge outdoor seating area. They've got a area. big, yeah. really nice porch out back and it's covered and it's got like AstroTurf. Um, and sure enough, like 2 a.m. Thursday night before we started Friday morning, it was like the heaviest rain I've ever experienced. Um, and it just kept going. <laughs> um, and so... I, that whole first day, the first time during showdown, it was actively raining. Um, and so within the first 20 miles, like your brake pads are gone. Um, and I had made the decision to wear sandals, tebas, because I was worried about trench foot, which was dumb. Don't do that. <laughs> um, um, but it was nice just because when I, when my brakes went out, then I used my tebas as my brakes. So that was one good thing. Um, but yeah, that first experience was was bad. Um, um, it did clear up on the next two days and we did end up finishing, even though it was probably maybe a little unsafe not having brakes out there. Um, but it was nice because then this go around, it was like, oh, we've done this before. It's okay. The route was reversed, um, which did make it a little more difficult because the like toughest, like sandiest sections um, were in that first like 20 or 40 miles. Yeah. Um, and so that was nice and mushy. Um, but, but rideable, um, at least rideable. Yeah. I didn't have to, I didn't have to get off, which was nice. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. That's nice. Yeah. So, so yeah, that first year definitely ranks lowest. The second year, so last, uh, April. Where, where did you place in the first year? Uh, the first year, Alicia and I tied for first, um, in the women's race. <laughs> To be fair, I think we were the only two women that finished. <laughs> Still. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> it doesn't. You beat everybody that stayed at home yeah, or couldn't that. finish or yeah. whatever. Yeah, um, like you legitimately had no break pads. No, I didn't have. Yeah, I did like, not have. She breaks. is not exaggerating. Um, it yeah. was it was scary. And yeah. then we would like. And she wasn't pe- the only one. There was yeah. Only- <laughs> people would like come up on us, and I'd truly be like, "It's lovely riding with you, but I don't have brakes, so you have to stay over there." Um, and I was watching. I had my Wahoo up on the elevation profile, and so I would watch for when there were uh, was a big downhill and then I'd go to the map and see if which way it curved and like we couldn't ride at night because I couldn't see <laughs> and I didn't know when um I could actually bomb a hill or not um there was only one highway that I like wait w- went way too hot into um but yeah I think that you know that also learned a lot um that was the first time that I had done something yeah. like that so I never go anywhere without extra brake pads <laughs> um but no one from your one does yeah everyone no, it's like, like tra- it's trauma even i like i got like i got affected by that i'm like i'm never going anywhere without brake pads yeah absolutely never know. um but yeah and so that was the first year and so we finished on sunday like early evening that first year um so i don't know how many hours that is but it's like two and a half days two yeah two and a half days um and then the second time was not he didn't even give us a whole year to recover. <laughs> um, that was October 2021, and then we did it again in April 2022. Um, and I did showdown again, and there was no rain, and it was beautiful and wonderful. And I did the first like 90 miles in like a quarter of the time. Um, and so that was, oh yeah, so I got second um, yeah. that year. Um, yeah, Ashley Carlock got first. Yeah. She went all the way through the night. Steph and I rode together a lot that year, too. And then at 4 a.m. after 250-something miles, <laughs> um, Steph was, like, gung-ho. We had just filled up water at um, Tejas Camp. Mission um, Tejas. Mission yeah. Tejas. Yeah. Um, and I, like, I had taken I'd taken an Excedrin. I drank water. I had eaten goose. And I was like, Steph, I can't keep my eyes open. <laughs> like, this is, this is it for me. So I napped for an hour. And then I didn't see her until the end. <laughs> Um, on that time, um, yeah, but we both, yeah, still, still placed. It was great. Um, and cut 24 hours off of my previous time, um, (laughs) just, just because of rain and brake pads. Um, yeah, yeah. So then when it came around this year, I always joke, I'm like, I'm never going to do this again. (laughs) Um, and I always do. Um, I kind of think I always will. (laughs) Um, cause yeah, the it just, it feels like home and like showing uh-huh. up to the bullet and like, there's so many familiar faces even here tonight too, where, um, it's just so nice to know that there's so many people out there that like are inspired by you and are inspiring you at the same time. Um, and so it's, you know, it's just a must. You, you gotta do showdown. Well, thank you. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Anna. <laughs> of course. It really is like becoming like a family. You see the same faces every year and oh, yeah. it's, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. I have, uh, one gas station attendant that's like the same naysayer like the, the biggest one of my naysayers <laughs> because when I was riding through the thunderstorm or like about to go in I was in the gas station and she was like she had asked me like 10 times if someone was with me or following me and then I finally just lied and I was like yep someone's following me yeah. in, but in my head I'm like on my phone not I in life um and then, <laughs> Not in and, life. Then, and then this year she was like asking us questions about like if we were just racing or riding but 
Which it, one oh, was it? Do you remember? Same. Is it Ratcliffe? Yeah, it's a, yeah. the first one. Yeah. yeah. It's the same yeah. exact gas station. I'm sure it'll be the same. She's exact sweet one. as pie, but she yes. is also very chatty. Like anything is coming out of her mouth. <laughs> and they're definitely alarmed by the fact it's not their normal clientele. No, it's not. But that's part <laughs> of the fun is like seeing their interactions. Like they're entertained and you're just like, yeah, I'll answer your questions. <laughs> Hannah, you rode to the start this year. What was up with that? <laughs> so how many miles was that? And, and uh -huh. what was, was that just like a warm up? Um, yeah, you know, just a quick 250. Just, yeah. Um, no. Um, yeah, I, so it actually wasn't my idea for the record. Um, <laughs> it was Kyle's idea. Kyle. Yeah. Shout He's out. Guilty. He's here. Um, yeah. Kyle, I can't remember how it came up. I think he, he mentioned it, um, that he had talked about thinking, about riding to the race. Um, and when he said it, I was like, oh, oh, are you? <laughs> um, like, can I do that too? Um, and then it was great because then he made the route and he had all the plans and <laughs> I didn't have to do anything. <laughs> um, oh, Steph made the route. Great. Um, yeah. It was a team effort. A <laughs> team effort for yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, I, um, I think that thinking about how these races go for me, there's like a certain point when my body just kind of goes into this like machine mode where like <laughs> you've ridden a lot of miles on very little resources and then you just like, that's just what you do. And that's just what you're like yeah. set for at that point in time. And so like having had that experience with Arkansas High Country and kind of with Showdown in the past too, when he had this idea, I was like, oh, perfect. That'll like put me into that mode before I even go to race. Oh. Um, and it was like, we gave us ourselves enough time. Like we left Tuesday evening. We left at 8 p.m. on Tuesday evening. Um, <laughs> Cause we both work day jobs. <laughs> um, and then rode 82 miles, actually slept for like a six or seven hours spent the whole day riding Wednesday and like got all the way to Huntsville State Park so that we had um, only 40 miles to do on Thursday. Um, and we like took it easy, you know? Um, and there was a lot of wind and it was really hard at times. <laughs> um, but it was nice to like then get to the state park and like set up camp and there were showers and we had gotten snacks and then just slept until we wake, woke up instead of like waking up in the middle of the night and doing like getting ready to go again. So um, it was in a lot of ways kind of a warm up. Warm up. Um, and uh, I did not ride back. Um, <laughs> that was my, that was like, we wanted to. Um, I drove back. Yeah. Yeah. I drove. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. This is a fun one. Um, for everyone who doesn't know, um, Russell bought an RV. Um, <laughs> He's, yeah. So I took all the kids home. Yeah, because he is he is he is dad. Um, yeah, and so it was really nice knowing on the way out there that there was probably a way back that wasn't that wasn't on two wheels. Um, it was. Um, and I had to so, get you back so you could go back to work. Yeah. Also, yeah. <laughs> the other thing was like I had to work um, and I had some mechanical things to address. And um, also at that point that was like seven hundred miles. So it was like. It's probably. Yeah, what was your total mileage? Um, six, it was 648, I think, um, so, for so the week. Did it work? Did your strategy to go in already in the right frame of mind, uh, did it work? I think so. Um, 
I, I mean, I think I did okay. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's, it's, we're t- just talking here. I'm just trying to set you up, answer questions. Um, yeah, no, I think um, I think it did because I didn't, you know, like I said, we gave ourselves enough time. So uh, we had gotten to the bullet and we actually got to the bullet at like noon on Thursday and then it started raining like half an hour later. Um, and so nothing, like all of our stuff was still dry. Um, and we had like a good you know, almost full 24 hours to like kind of recover. Um, so yeah, I think it did work. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be my thing. I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. I think you should. Yeah. It's a good idea. I have to ask you this question because I ask a lot of people this question, uh, at the beginning of the East Texas showdown, you know, what are your goals? Are you going for it? You know, what are you, and like I asked you and you're like, I don't know, we'll see. But like, to hear you talk now, you're talking about how, you know, you you did a pre-write into it to get mentally in the right frame of mind so you could start from a, a position of success already. So were you lying to me at the very beginning? <laughs> yeah. Keeping secrets. Were um, you? I'm uh, not going to tell. Uh, I don't have a podcast. Yeah. No, I think genuinely when I say that, I mostly, I think it's a couple of reasons. I think first it's that I never want to like set an expectation for myself that there will be something like that I will do something in a certain amount of time or a certain way um, because things can always go wrong. And even like on the way out there, I was like, there is a chance that something could happen that we don't get to ride all the way to the race. Um, Or that, you know, after that 250 miles, I like don't feel great or something, you know, goes wrong that would change my uh, trajectory later on. And so I like going into these things with the thought of like, anything can happen. Um, and I want to try to figure out how to be happy with it, however it goes. That's great. Um, yeah. And so I think I don't, I wasn't lying to you. I was just, I was kidding. Um, <laughs> and I also knew that I'd get out there and there would just be so much excitement around what was happening. There'd be Stephanie like, let's go, you know, like, um, riding along with me. Let's um, go. Was that your best Stephanie impersonation? <laughs> kind of, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that, um, yeah, it, it was not I didn't think you were really lying to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Stephanie, your turn. Yeah, we're going back to Stephanie. So let's keep it here for a minute. Y'all finished together. Uh, you tied for first place. And I am I went back and watched the dots, and it looked like y'all were pretty close to each other throughout the majority of the race. Were y'all using each other's motivation? How much were you riding together? How much were you like, <laughs> no. <laughs> Drafting is illegal, Ariel. Everybody knows that. There's nothing illegal in gravel. That's the point of it. All right. We're going to have a talk with Ariel after this. (laughs) It's true. This is... This the great thing about East Texas Showdown is I get to make up whatever rules I want. The rule is there are no rules except the the random ones Patrick makes and sometimes the ones that I make. (laughs) We'll we'll talk about it. so, So we were with each other and with other people uh... Basically until Jacksonville, I want to say, or like That's at mile one forty. Yeah, at mile one forty, and then um, I just like by that point in a ride, I have like some things I have to address 
<laughs> like you there's like some self-care things that you just need like I need like five minutes um literally <laughs> um and I I personally um like at, by that point um to kind of pace my myself um and I'm I'm so easily get caught up into like other people's pacing and even if it's just like you know a 30 seconds ahead of me sometimes um having uh someone to chase is like, it's a good and a bad thing. It helps, it motivates you to go faster than ultimately your crack. So I fell off um, after Jacksonville, honestly, because I needed to put like chamois butter on, <laughs> um, <laughs> like no nothing like fun. Um, and then riding through the night, I was getting nauseous, which is like a reoccurring theme for me um, in long rides. But I'm actually really stoked because this was the first time that I rode through the night nauseous and actually like saw a second wind and the other side of nausea. And what I did was I stopped for five minutes. I timed myself, which is like critical, I think. Um, but I timed myself every hour. I would stop for five minutes and just like close my eyes on the side of the road and like not look at my phone, not eat, not drink, not do anything. And just like let the world stop for five minutes. Um, I fell asleep during one of these for like literally one minute. I was snoring like in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> um and it's time and like a lot of the way these races are like one is by time management and so I was like not really wanting to stop prior when I was having nausea issues but I was like you need to stop like it's you're gonna like throw up and then it's gonna be way worse um and then I started feeling better every single time I stopped so that was good um and then caught up uh to Hannah and Eric at the post office like pre-dawn um what time was it which that post was, office? Uh, it was in Kennard, Texas. Kennard. Kennard. Or Kennard. I like Kennard. There was an argument about that. Um, and that, that was a hard one. That was a one where seeing the two of them actually like helped me keep going because in my mind... I thought that there was like a coffee stop or something there and there wasn't anything. And like in my mind, I was like, okay, you're going to stop when you get to Canard. Like I was like lying to myself. And then I saw them and I was like, you guys ready to roll? And in my head, I was like, say no. And then they're like, yes. And I was like, all right. Head down. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Like, me too. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I like sat behind them and watched the reels for me. I was like, we're rolling. <laughs> but I mean, that time of the night where it's like you've gone through the whole night riding, it for me is always the hardest. And like sunrise is always extremely sweet and it's such a reward. But like getting to that last hour, no matter how short or how long the night is, I found that last hour is just like it's the coldest. Um, it gets a little bit colder yeah. at that time. And it was actually pretty chilly. Um, and so it was good that we kept rolling. But I was also like tempted to just like tuck into the post office. Um, for a little bit and then um, we were pretty much together and then Deathloop uh, Eric fell off and then it was just the two of us Eric couldn't hang is he here tonight <coughs> no all right no he's in Con he lives in Conroe yeah. so this is a hike but yeah I mean he could have come <laughs> y'all dropped him though <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, he was actually riding the same bike as me which is pretty cool oh yeah that so, also yeah 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 we'll and he's doing doom so and you drop we'll him. see you oh you're gonna drop him at doom too <laughs> eric she's coming for you man talking mad shit. <laughs> <laughs> no you're not i'm talking shit i'm like making it worse um but yeah i mean it i think having people in an event this long is 
equally beneficial as it is not. Um, and like in some moments it was really beneficial. Like I know Deathloop, I mean, you're just like, you're not in the mood to like push it anymore. But like when you have someone with you, you're like, okay, we got to finish this thing. Like, let's go. So <laughs> um, I, I, I had the opposite experience, which is that I felt like it was awesome as soon as I was completely alone. Yes. So I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love... Uh, the I love the the yo-yo effect that happens when you're out on a course with a bunch of other people and and you get to see them like I saw I saw Ariel and uh, I, I mean I saw a lot of people during that first 75 miles there were a lot of people at the gas station um, were eating pizza and like you know by that point you've kind of like you've gotten people's names and you started to talk a little bit but for me what I liked was not was when I when I was completely alone, I felt like I was the only one in charge and there was nothing else that anybody else could do. And that felt really cool to me. It's something that I that you don't get on a on a like a one on an on a on, like that you don't get really that most people don't get. It was it was really it, it's something I've never experienced before either. Yeah. Right. Because when I've done mostly just like one day events and we've gone on a lot of bike packing trips and those are always with people, right? Uh, and it's even even my trip to Colorado was with Matt, and and so you're riding with someone. You're you know that support structure is really nice. It felt really really uh, different and good to be completely alone. Like where I knew Michael was not coming when his truck. There was nobody around. You know, like it was just me. Um, it was pretty cool. It's right. fun and being it was the out there of the alone. Night. Yeah, you know, I I agree with that, especially when I'm like, more so though when I'm like struggling, like when I get to a point where I, like when I was dealing with nausea, I was like, I don't want to be, I don't want anybody else to be like near me because I need to take, I can't like fake it, you know. Yeah, I need to take care of it. And I, if I'm around people, like I'm gonna kind of inevitably not try to break down as much as I will if I'm like alone, but. That's super cool that you uh, push through that. Yeah. Um. I know because I'm a fan of yours and I follow everything on Instagram that like you, you do tend to have nausea that comes up. Do you think that that is just a, a byproduct of pushing your body to an extreme and your body's like, uh, no. And this is just one of the ways that it rebels. Yeah. It's, it's like pretty common um, with people who do ultras and like, especially like that second day. Um, I think it's emotion sickness especially in the night motion motion oh. sickness yeah i thought that's what it <laughs> it's emotion i'm sick of we'll, my emotions we'll talk about that later no, no, no. i think it's <laughs> call back to our text I, I recently only, <laughs> i only think it's motion motion sickness because um arkansas high country south loop is a much slower paced ride and i never got nauseous on that long ride and like east texas the riding is so easy and like there's never a time that you won't be going like a good speed um and it just i don't know maybe i just don't know like where know to where to focus my eyes in the nighttime but i just get and it's worse like gravel worlds was the absolute worst because i rode with a group of eight during the night like you know drafting everything and then i like completely was wrecked after that because i was just i don't know i haven't found a long-term solution but if stopping like five minutes every hour during the night is for at least it was like three or four hours that I had to do that. It's like that's not a big deal. That's cool to push through, man. You're out there. I mean, you're like 200 plus miles into it, and you're like trying not to throw up, and you're finding a way to just keep moving forward. And you came back. You 
caught up to Hannah and y'all shared the win. So, I mean, that is truly incredible and a testament to your will. So Hannah, let's finish off the death loop. So y'all came in, for anyone who doesn't know, the showdown, you do 340 miles, you come back to the bullet grill, which is the start and finish line, and then you have to keep going for another like 66 miles and do what we call the death loop. It's completely masochistic, and it's a great time. And so they came into the bullet <laughs> uh, uh, tied, and then what happened on the death loop? Yeah. Um yeah, so uh, I think so. With 130 miles left, I popped a spoke on my rear wheel. Oh um, yeah, and that was something that kind of changed my pace a little bit, just because then I had this going on, like real wobbly wheel um, happening. Stephanie has um, a great had a great video on Instagram yeah. of like riding behind her wheels, like going yeah. like this. Put it to the <laughs> to the wobble. Yeah, um, yeah. So so that definitely um, just made me hesitate because anytime um i do these things i just want to finish like i just want to be able to do it um and that was one of the first times that there was like a mechanical that like made me wonder like uh oh am i going to be able to finish this or not um and with the conditions like everything else on the wheel was pretty well seized but it was holding just enough like so that it didn't rub on my frame um and so i just kept going and I was like, we'll just see how this goes. Um, see how good this wheel really yeah, is. See how, yeah. So um, on the downhills, it was definitely like, oh, God. Um, but it held great. Um, and so anyway, that was like the, so something that changed the last 130 for me. And I think going into the death loop, I had kind of said something to Steph about like, you know, how are we feeling? Do you like, because I had this conversation with Alicia the first year which I joke that I like can't win one of Patrick's races alone. Um, but Alicia and I, the first year had gone through so much together at that point. And then we like get to the last like 13 miles in the death loop. Um, and when we were doing it that direction, the last 13 is like all on the road. Um, or no, I guess the other way around, it was, it was all on the gravel. Yeah. And Alicia is like, you know, she races for ultraviolet and is like a very well accomplished, um, cyclist she like looks at me and she's like so we're we gonna like sprint to the finish and I was like uh <laughs> I was like I mean if you want to sprint to the finish girl you do your thing like that's totally fine with me but she like you could tell she was like I don't want to do this so and we we kind of decided um in that moment for the two of us that it felt good to just finish together um and so Steph and I had a couple conversations about it um and had a couple ideas. We were gonna like do the death loop and see where there's like one last stop in Cold Spring. Um, that's you've got 13 miles left in that direction. The 13 miles are on like a very hilly road, um, like pretty fast road too, um, as far as traffic and cars goes. Um, and we had had a couple ideas where we were like, okay, if we get to Cold Spring and like we're both there, then we'll just split a beer and roll in together. And then I was like, oh, but if we both get to Cold Spring, then we could like race the last 13 miles and like see how that goes. Um, and then while we're riding, we've probably got like a mile or two to go to get to that gas station. And we're on one of the most chill roads in the whole like um, event. Um, and some asshole in a truck um, revs his engine behind us. 
And I was like, okay, well, you know, we're riding side by side. Um, revs his engine. I get behind Steph. And then this guy just takes off and I have to like jump out of the road to get out of his way. And I see him go by Steph in his trailer. I swear it like brushed her shoulder. Like, like it was. Like all I heard was like Hannah screaming behind me. And then like, I just like held a straight line. And then I didn't realize he had a, a trailer. Thank God, honestly, or I would have like overcorrected. And then like the trailer went right by me. And I looked back and Hannah was like, literally in the grass yeah um and like and i will say like that is not the norm necessarily but it's not like it doesn't never happen um and it happens sometimes in the least expected places um because it really was a beautiful road we were actually just talking about how <laughs> calm and lovely it was um so you can't avoid them there's assholes everywhere um but in that moment, like truly, and neither of us are very like nervous riders. Like I'd say we're almost a little too confident <laughs> sometimes <laughs> when it comes to riding on the road. Um, and it shook us both up pretty well. Um, we were like, that was really not cool. And um, it, the sun was starting to go down. We had like that 12 miles left. Um, and Steph's front light was dying. Um, and that last stretch on the road, I was like, I would... Be, feel totally comfortable just towing it in together and like finishing this in a safe um, way instead of like risking it for for what you know like we've done so much of it together. Glory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do it for Patrick. Um, I don't care. Nah, no. I'm gonna clap for you if you come in first or last. Yeah, man. it was it was funny though because the moment that we got there, it had gotten dark. It was like eight o'clock, and as we're rolling up, first of all, it was hilarious because. Uh, as we were going down the hills on that 12 miles, I was like, hey, Steph, like this wheel, I like, I can't go that fast. <laughs> and then as we were going up the hills, she was like, my legs are toast. I can't do that. <laughs> so we were like compensating for one another. Um, and then when we rolled up to the finish, I we only had one light on. So I heard everybody like, who is it? Like, who did that? <laughs> And um, and then I was like, ah, it's both of us. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think it was the best way to do it, honestly. Yeah, you can finish together with somebody every single time if you want. There's there's no rules. I think it's great. Well, like with Amanda, y'all had went through a war of attrition. Like you didn't have breaks. I mean, it was like a Alicia. Oh, I'm so sorry. What did I say? You said Amanda. Uh, it's that's okay. It's just like Hannah Simmons. It's uh, yeah. Anyway. Well, Ed, that's why this, you, no one will know. Only y'all will know. Uh, yeah. And then y'all, uh, yeah, y'all rolled in together with your safety hats on this time. <laughs> yeah, we bought safety hats in Cold Spring. Um, like, 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 I don't even know. It was know. like a wide. <laughs> like a crossing guard. A yeah. crossing guard would wear a, like a. A wide brim um, hat with, with, a, with a little tail. Which, which like in my head, I'm like. It's silly because the guy who was an asshole, like the visibility was not the problem. No. He clearly fucking saw us. Like, but you know, maybe we'll he'll try have pity harder. on you if you have a weird hat on. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Uh, yes, let's talk about uh, an unexpected event that happened on this year's event uh, at mile sixty-five. The road sprung a leak and turned into a river. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if anybody saw these pictures. Let's take a poll real quick. How uh, far and how deep do you think the river was? I described it as five football fields long. Okay. And it was 
it was two feet deep water. Two it feet. was, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was two feet, it was two feet deep yeah. in, in the majority of it. And there was, there was, not only was it five football fields long, but there were also two rivers going across it. So it was like standing water. And then there was water flowing across it and through it, like filling it up. Yeah. So there was, um, I it posted was, a it was picture wild. of uh, the guy from the UK drawing a blank on his name, but he rode a fat bike on the whole on the whole thing, and whenever he got to the current, it just flo- his bike just it floated his, it and like took it, <laughs> took it away. And you, I got a picture of him like holding on to it as a current. I mean, it was a real current that was. It, it was definitely going a river through the flowing. So the road water. is going like this, and the water is going across it for ninety you know, five degree football yeah. fields. Yeah. Uh, so Russ, you get to mile sixty-four. You see the river of death. Uh, how did it go for you? Um, I, I can't wait to hear Ariel. You're next. So uh, I, I, I am. I am not a mountain biker. Mountain biking is is the thing that I'm the least good at in bikes. And I say this to to people when people come to buy mountain bikes and talk about mountain bikes. Here's what I always say: when I get to a when I get on the mountain bike trail and I get to a little hill. If I get to the top of a drop-in, my brain says, that can't be done by a human being. <laughs> it says it all the time. It says, that's not possible. I see the trail, but it's not possible. Human beings don't do that. And then I just wait there until a 12-year-old kid rolls past me and bombs down it and goes down the hill really fast. And I go, oh, okay, that can be done by a human. And then I can, and then I can do it. I have to see someone else do it first. It's a thing. So if I get dropped by my friends, I get stuck at the top of things. It's it's a problem. Um, still happens. And so luckily, when I got to the water, I first, you, I could you, if you looked closely, you could see a car at the very far end, and there were a couple other cyclists there, but there was somebody already riding through it. And so I got really lucky because there was somebody else already riding through it. So my brain was like, oh, I just ride through that. I, there's no way around it. You like take five, five seconds, maybe three seconds, and go, well, there's no way around this water. Like there's no way around it. No. So just just keep riding. So I just stay. I just kept riding, um, and and, and just were, r- rode through it, laughing. It's it was it was uh, <laughs> hysterically laughing. It was really fun. I I was I was the car on the other side, yes. yeah. Uh, yeah. And I got to watch it. I mean, he's quite the sight. He's six five, right? Six seven. Six. Oh yeah. yeah sorry. <laughs> Almost. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> But watching him just truck through this river that was uh, was there was quite impressive, and and it was a good time to watch on the other side. I enjoyed your your laughing. Yeah, I give a lot of credit to the people Ariel was talking to uh, that did it at like nine o'clock at night or whatever. Like, I, I what you said is so true. If you can see somebody go through, but without that knowledge. We should all respect water, right? We know water is a powerful yeah, turn source. Around, turn around, don't drown. Yeah, turn around, don't drown. And so, like, without that visual aid to like indicate that this is okay, and at night, like, so so on the lowdown course in the middle of the night when I was all by myself, there was another section yes. in the <laughs> middle the of same, the night. It was the same. Uh, it was water the same on same, another road that was so like we, parallel to it. Yeah, we went up and north and then kind of came back down south. And so it was the same. It was a, it was the same. It looked very similar, but I was all alone 
and and there's nobody around and it's the middle of the night and i just i said well that other guy did it the, the other <laughs> last time so i'm just gonna i already did it once so i might as well just do it again and i can remember thinking while i was rolling through it the second time i was like just don't fall over dude just don't <laughs> just don't get just don't fall over and get completely soaked in the middle of the night and i didn't and it was fine it was it was only three football fields okay three yeah the second one was only three did uh todd come concrete trails did he make it Oh man, poor Todd. He 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 went in. Did y'all see that video? Yeah, yeah. He he tried to go around the road, like instead of going down the middle, and he hit like you know how on the side of roads they have you know the for water. I don't know the goalie or whatever. And uh, well, he he would just walked it. I mean, he went straight in. It was uh, but dude, Todd has the best like attitude about like he was totally fine. He got completely drenched. And it didn't bother him one bit. Like, he just keeps on going. Love Todd. Wish he was here. Uh, Ariel, on the other hand, he posted at a very offensive video on Instagram. <laughs> all I want to say is that the video came from my account. That's uh -huh. all I want to say is that it came from my account. So so do you want to say what you did or do you want me to? I got it. Um, okay, so the, the video that Patrick was talking about was the second water, water crossing. Um, which on the second day wasn't as bad as the first one, but by that time I was already tired of wet socks, which is the thing I hate the most. <laughs> um, and so the first day we get to the water crossing and at this point, you know, we're 65 miles in. We're like, yes, 10 miles left. Can't wait to like get more gas station snacks and put my tent up. It was like, yeah, this is going to be great. It's going to be great. And I'm rolling with, uh, Asia um, from Houston and we're part of our group of six, but we're kind of in the front, we're rolling. And in the front, you just kind of see like, it's like a mirage. And I'm just like, oh shit, how high is that hill? I was like, that's a really weird, I was like, is there a descent on the other? I was like, what's going on? And we roll and as we're rolling, Asia just goes, she's like 10 yards in front of me. She goes, do you see that? And I was like, well, yeah, what the fuck is that? I mean, what is that? Um, <laughs> you can cuss. I mean, it's swag. Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, and so we both roll up to it and we're just like, what is going on? Everyone else rolls up and they're like, what is this? And we're like, I think that's just water. And we, we knew that there were people in front of us. Um, cause you know, when we took our, our, our pauses for safety, people passed us cause they were like, Oh, you guys look like you're having fun. Take it more serious. Um, <laughs> and so they rolled past us and so we knew people had gone. Um, and as we're going, so we all get there and we're like, okay, what are we going to do? Um, some people started taking like their shoes off at this point. I mean, I was riding in pants cause it was kind of cold the first day I was riding in like pants and you know, the whole get up and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to, it can't be that deep. It can't be that deep. Right. Um, and so everyone <laughs> in my group right? is, everyone in my group is like, Ariel, you, you go first. Um, cause mind you, like, Half the group knew that I'd done bikepacking before. Half the group was like, Ariel leads rides. He's only has three gears this time. And that's two more than he's used to. So stop complaining, which is what <laughs> Russell told me like 20 miles prior. Um, great and advice. so we're, I, I'm like, okay, great, uh, great. And I'm rolling through and I, I swear to God, I go like maybe a hundred yards and I turn around and no one's following me. 
They're all still at the edge of it, like looking. I see some people have their shoes off and they're all just staring and I'm like, what? And they're like, what? And I'm like, damn, I'm too far and I'm kind of in this by myself now. Um, and so I keep pedaling and at this point, like my feet are getting wet. So I'm kind of mentally trying to keep it all together. Um, cause like I said, I hate wet socks. And so I'm trying to keep it all together and I'm just keep pedaling. And at one point I'm like, okay, maybe I should stop cause it's getting pretty deep. And I'm like, no, don't stop. Cause then you're, uh, who knows how deep it is. I don't know how inches work. And so I was like, this could be way steep if I'm on my bike. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I'm clearly panicking. Um, I also didn't have the correct mount for my my bike computer, and so I did the entire ride with my computer sideways. Um, and so, like, I'm like riding, and I'm like, look, I'm like, is this the right way? And I'm waiting for my computer to be like, wrong, 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 and light up red and tell me that I've I've really ruined this for everyone. Um, and that never happens. And then as I'm pedaling, I, I turn and I see uh, uh, Charlie, um, who's a messenger from Cincy who just moved down to Texas. Uh, and she's in our group. She's on a flat bar, all city bike with like front paneers. She's ripping it the whole time. And I just see her take off. And I'm like, okay, cool. Someone else is going to drown with me. This is tight. <laughs> um, we get to the first like sideways water thing that Russell saw. And I'm at this point, I'm like, there's no way this isn't going to go bad for me. And I was like, okay, this is what we do. I dropped it into my uh, biggest gear. So at this point, I had 11 speed. Something had happened. I only had my two smallest cogs and my 36 in the back. And so I'm like, okay, great. Clunked it all the way to the 36 and just kept spinning my legs, like churning water. I hit into the water as it goes sideways. I'm like, and I just turn back and I go, just keep fucking going. <laughs> and I just hit it. I go out. It definitely dips down and it was really sketchy. I hit the next one, keep going. And after that, you kind of pedal out of it. Um, and then I just turned around and recorded. And I think Charlie was the only, I think ever, Charlie was the only one that biked through with our group. But I think Asia went halfway. Um, John, M, and... Um, Josh, geez, I almost forgot Josh. Uh, uh, all, all went through as well, and we all met up on the other end. Uh, but it was not great. Um, I mean, it was fine. It was whatever. Uh, but then, yeah, then kind of we did the last 10 miles in. Um, and, yeah, but the video that Patrick was talking about was the second day. So, like, okay, your socks are wet. You got 10 miles to go. What do you do? You bike it really fast, and then you take your socks off. Right. So in the morning, and the reason I met that couple in the morning was I was drying my insoles out of my shoes so, before, so we could take off. And it made everyone late because I wanted them to be dry before we took off. So dry feet is very important to me. <laughs> it was like 10, 15 miles into day two. We hit another water crossing. And this time I refused to go first. And I said a bunch of bad words. And I said a bunch of bad words before I got on my bike. But this time I said... I'm going to pull my phone out <laughs> and record. <laughs> and as I went, I realized like the people in front of me, they hit it. wasn't going to be as bad. There's like a middle, a dry spot in the middle. So we're going, but I, I swear I get the phone out and I pedaled like three pedal strokes and just full foot doused in water, like immediately. And I'm like 10, 15 miles into this ride the second day, I have to do 80 and I, Lost it. <laughs> <laughs> the real question is, do you hate Patrick or not? Yeah. That's the real question. I, That's what you said. 
You like, did say I, it. I, do you? The I whole, don't. Everybody wants to know. I don't hate Patrick. I don't hate bikes or death. I don't want to frick bikes or death. (laughs) This is reconciliation. Here we go. Jerry Springer couldn't have done it better. Yeah, yeah. But I learned something really cool is that when you wear cycling socks, uh, they dry really quickly. So the trick is to wear cycling socks when you get your feet wet. Who would have thunk it? They make gear for this. Yeah, I don't know. And so, um, yeah, we ended up, um, my shoes, my uh, Adidas 510 shoes uh, that we ordered through the shop, you know, QBP shout out. Uh, (laughs) Those and my nice cycling socks helped dry out very quickly, and I got to finish the rest of the race and did not hate Patrick or Bikes or Death by the time it was done. Wow. You maintained a friendship and you got a new sponsor all in one sentence, so that's amazing. (laughs) Like I say, I'm getting a lot better at this kind of stuff. Yeah, you are. Uh. I've had I have like a hundred more questions, but uh, I'm gonna give you all a chance to ask any questions that you want here in a moment. Uh, they can be about East Texas Showdown. They can be about anything you want. It can be a surprise. So get ready. But before that, let's hear how Hannah and Stephanie dealt with the water Watergate. It wasn't there. What? There, it wasn't there. This when is we the got, first time yeah. hearing of this. Only, so, so only no, it was there. The it was there, but it was it like. It was like maybe a puddle. No, yeah, it was the, like. The, the levee broke after was, the fast oh, people yeah, got it through. Was, we got there. Miles See, it pays to be fast. I've been saying this for years. Yeah. It was, I think we were there mile 65 at like noon. There was yeah. not. It was it some was water, but it was not. Was, I, I never heard this. Did you? It was like three or four pedal strokes of water. Yeah. And then you were like out of it. It was a lake. But okay. un- unfortunately, that doesn't make for a good podcast. No. It's not a very good story. It's not a very good story, but I, I, mean, I remember there being water. Yeah. But it like was a puddle we went around, and then there was like a little. Yeah. There was That's a little so bit of current weird. at one point. But Cause the, weird, <laughs> the weird thing is, is like. The first, the first year we did this, like you said, you were the only one here from uh, out of our guests that had did it, did it the first year. Yeah. And we had more rain the first year, but we didn't have that water situation and it would have been reversed. So you would have got the second one Ariel was talking about first and, and then you would have got the second one, but we didn't have that. And then all of a sudden, somewhere between the leaders and the low downers, a it's levy a conspiracy. Broke. Yeah, I don't know. Maxwell was out there with a garden hose, I guess. <laughs> I'll, I'll say, like, when we got into the campsite, I, I like, charged my phone. There was, like, power there, and so I charged my phone, and I checked Instagram real quick, and I saw, like, Daphne's story, and it was, like, the water was so low, and I damn near was, like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I was like, there was no water. I was like, what? I saw this isn't fair. <laughs> I saw her story and was like, where was this? Yeah. So it was like it had exponentially gotten worse. Yeah. That was only hours between. Yeah. Or not even. There must have been a, like a a, le- a levee that broke something or that something, broke. something yeah. that popped. Someone it was a lot of water. It was a it was a lot of water. Yeah. It was and rough. it and it hadn't been raining that hard in a while. It was like somebody had let a dam loose or a levee had broken or something had happened. Yeah. For sure. It was yeah. one of the first things people asked me when I got to the bullet before the death loop. And they're like, and I think somebody said five football fields. And I was like, what are you that was talking me. about? It was you. <laughs> I, I, I trademarked yeah. that uh, no five idea. football fields. We're working on the shirt design right now. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. We learned something. Does anybody else? Your turn. Anybody? If not, I'm going to keep asking questions. Yeah. There's microphones right there. So this one's for Patrick. Uh, oh, shh. <laughs> get him. Get him. That wasn't an option. <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, so, uh, you know, for the last couple of years, the, the, the females have finished at the same time. Last year, the, uh, the two guys, the two top finishers were like neck and neck the whole time. How do you feel about the camaraderie? Like, do you want more competition and like rivalry and grudges on the showdown? Or are you like, are you happy with, yeah, how do you feel about that? I don't give a shit personally. Um, I, I love what's happening at the East Texas showdown. It's, it's way beyond anything I could have ever, I, I don't even know what it is, but it is becoming its own thing. And I, I do feel like it's kind of like taking on uh, a shape of its own and, and how people choose to finish it. Like let's use Han Hannah as an example. Uh, I know her, we did a, a podcast with Alicia and Hannah uh, after they shared the first we did. And um, we talk all about that story and it's, it's definitely worth a revisit, but I, I thought that was cool the way y'all finished. And if it feels right for someone to finish, then I think, I think you should, you know, but at the same time, it's cool. Like Kuyan Dennis, like had it out the last 15 miles. I think that's cool too. Like I really don't have a lot of stake in the outcomes. I, I care that people are having fun and people are safe and that's all I really care about, you know, and then everything else that people decide to do and they're playing by the rules, no drafting, um, <laughs> and no uh, drafting. Yeah. Forever. He, he, Oh yeah. And Dennis and his raffle prizes. Oh my God. She's like, six I'm going to go up this hill. You're going to get right behind me and just keep moving your legs. And I'm going to stand up. It's like sit upright the whole time. Okay. And yeah. There, there that are, was on the there, lowdown. There's no rules on the lowdown. There's no rules on the lowdown. Yeah. Okay. And that, okay. that is an important distinction. That is an important distinction. Yeah, very important. The lowdown is definitely not the same as the showdown and the slowdown. Thank you. Ariel was on the lowdown. If he was on the slowdown, he would have gotten an asterisk, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> were you going to say? Anyway. Oh. oh, yeah. Oh, I was going to chime in. I don't know if you Please saw, do. but uh, like Stagecoach 400 the next weekend, the two men finished together also as like a tie. And I feel like it's, I mean, it's a lot of what Hannah was talking about when her and Alicia went out where like you go through so much and like Stagecoach had a lot of snow melt. And so it made it for a really hard race. And you go through so much with someone like at some point you leaned on them, they leaned on you. And it's like to then go race you know, like it's it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, for me personally, like I am pretty competitive, but that's like one of my favorite parts where it's a competition, but then you still have that like bond with somebody where like you went through what I went through and yeah. And I would also say that while the race is important, like the, there, there is, there are people that are there to race and the winning is important the 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 spirit of these types of events is not about racing it's about doing it and doing it your way and there are so many other stories and ways to do it and i think that's what's really great about east texas showdown with the three lengths and and the variety of people and the way that they choose to you know spend their weekend pedaling their bikes 
that's that is way more important than than the than who wins and how. Um, but no drafting. Yeah. <laughs> what Russell said times a hundred. Yeah. Well said. Uh, another question. Um, so my question's kind of for everybody. I want to know about tire choices. Um, what size? What pressure? And would you do full knobbies or something hybrid like a washburn? Yeah, tires first. is like the most number one asked about mm. question. So actually a great, great question. A yeah. lot of people want to know. Um, the first two times I did it, I did it on um, Cannonball 700 by 47s. Um, and I love that tire. That is so Hannah's much. favorite tire. It's my favorite tire. <laughs> um yeah, yeah. I joke that I could ride those tires to the moon. Um, yeah, I so and I've done so I've done a lot of things on seven hundred by forty seven can cannonballs. Um, showdown and the Iceland race I did and Arkansas High Country. Um, so big fan. Um this time I did it on forty twos, um, still a cannonball, um, which I was very grateful for because with the broken spoke, if I had been on forty sevens, that would not have gone very well. Um so going a little narrower, I will say it felt a little faster. Um I also give the caveat that I am not very picky with these types of things. So <laughs> whatever I'm riding is gonna be great. Um, but it was nice to have that little extra clearance just for the little things that can happen, like broken spokes and or mud. Um, on this course specifically, there's not a whole lot of cakey mud, so I wouldn't worry as much about clearance. Um, and as far as knobby versus not, I think that um, having something right in the middle there, a washburn would be a little bit more smooth than I'd want it to be, um, but definitely lower pressure too. I think I ran my 42s at like 25 or maybe 30. Somewhere in there. I mean, I also didn't air up my tires from when we left on Tuesday night. <laughs> I like didn't. I, I left Tuesday night and I was like, and I honestly, no, I did it before because I did Mid South the weekend before, and I don't remember if I put any air in my tires after that. <laughs> That's so funny. I always wonder, like, if you because you rode there and then the weather, the temperature changed and everything. So, I mean, the tire pressure is affected, but I'm like, I don't know how much. But yeah. all right. Um, I ended up on like two mixed tires just because of like what I had. Um, but I had one, both Schwalbe G1, one G1R, one G1RS. Uh, the one that's less knobby or more knobby either is like fine on this course, in my opinion. Uh, 40s. Um, they're kind of like narrower 40s though. Maybe like a 39. I feel like they're not quite 40s. <laughs> I've never actually measured them though. <laughs> but I, I can fit them on my crux, which normally I can't fit 40s on my crux. So that's how I know they're not really like true 40s. Uh, and I probably ran them at like 30 or 40 PSI, much higher. Whoa. I joked to Hannah that my last dying words on my deathbed are going to be, I'm going to let Samaritan out of my tires. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, that's but so never funny. do. Um, <laughs> never so yeah, <laughs> my overinflated 40s. But I would I ran I would run it again. Yeah. I will chime in and say, um, well, I wrote I also rode 700 by 47s, which is about as small as I will ever run on gravel. But that's because I weigh 210 pounds, and my bike's heavier, my gear's heavier. So so in a more general sense, I think tire size 
uh, it, it really matters how much you and your bike weigh, which total system weight is super important. Um, you know, hand on a 47 can pretty much ride anywhere. Um, whereas for me, if I, if I want to ride on anything, I need a 2.1. So that's a 55 ish. Right. So, um, so when I, I, when I go and do, I, I normally keep 2.1s on that bike and then I can ride that thing on single track. I can ride it anywhere uh, unloaded. And if it's loaded, I can still do just about anything on a 47. That to me is, is like my, like, that's like a 42 for Hannah in my opinion. So I think it really matters how much you weigh and then also uh, how much your total system weight is. <clears throat> so if you're carrying all your gear, if you're fully loaded or not. Um, and then I'm going to plug the Silka Professional Tire ca Pressure Calculator. Um, the Silka Pro, just look it up. Silka is S-I-L-C-A, the Silka Tire Pressure Calculator. That thing is very good. So you, you, what you get your bike, like we just weighed Stephanie's bike for doom. Um, you take your system weight, uh, which is you and your bike and all your gear, you take your tire size and you, and you plug in all the variables and then do what that says and plus or minus a PSI or two and, and you'll be great. Um, it works really, really good. Ariel, you want to talk about tires? Tires, man. Come on. Yeah. I just kind of work for a bike shop. Um, <laughs> I, I, I ran 42s for like racing last year and this year I'm trying to go 38s, but my Rocky mountain bike came in solo adventure bike that just came out <laughs> plug. Um, <laughs> you already got that sponsor. You don't even have to mention uh, anymore. whatever. Um, it had just come in and we just built it up and I really wanted to have a geared bike for, uh, East Texas showdown for reasons discussed earlier. Um, and so on that build it, there, it was running like some WTB gravel tires that were like forties. And so I was like, I don't know how any of this works. I'm just going to use what they gave me. Uh, and uh, did not really check the air pressure, did not really <laughs> care about the tread. I was just like, I'm just going to go out there to have fun. Um, we start out, and immediately I realized my air pressure was pretty low. Um, and the thing is, I don't, I don't weigh that much, and so it kind of doesn't super matter if my pressure is, like, really high. Um, I usually, for the gravel... I'll roll it at like 30, 35. I'll pump it at 40 because I know I'm going to burp my tire a little riding recklessly. And so usually I finish races around like 20. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, we did the whole first day. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of reckless. Um, the whole first trip I got back and I, I remember I got off the bike and I looked and my tire is at like 20. And I was like, okay, I, I was like, if I ride tomorrow, I need to fix this. And then the next day, um, halfway through the ride, I realized that I had not fixed it. Uh, and yeah, right before we hit like the first one, we, you finish up on gravel right outside of cold Springs. I pulled out CO2 and aired my, um, tires back up and finished the death loop at like very hard. I don't know what it was. It was very firm. Uh, that's why you came in rolling in so hot. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's why. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> I, I ran a 700 by 48C whenever I did my ITT uh, Oracle Ridge by whoever makes those, Renee Hers. Uh, and I rode 30 in the back, 25 in the front. Lily, our next question's coming from Lily. Um, <laughs> this question's for everybody. Uh, favorite gas station food that you discovered on East Texas Showdown this year? 
Ooh. And then for Patrick, just your favorite gas station food, I guess, either on your ITT or just in general. Okay. Just include everyone. Okay. I, I think they got really excited, so we're going to start with... I think Hannah and I have the same one, but I yeah. could be wrong, and that'd be uncomfortable. But um, So we discovered like you can get, prote- like get a protein shake and then get a cup of cereal, and so we like... <laughs> <laughs> There's the visual. Oh. Um, we had cereal, except for it was really exciting because we were hungry. <laughs> what kind um, of cereal? And I was it cheer- chocolate milk? Or Honey Nut Cheerios. Cho- uh, no, vanilla. Okay. Vanilla muscle milk or something, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I just had this moment because, man, gas station food is not exciting. Right. Um, <laughs> Like to the point where now if I'm on a road trip, I can't get anything from the gas station because I have to like save my gas station moments for these races. Um, But yeah, I had this moment and it was in the morning. Um, We stopped at, um, I don't remember what town that was. Oh gosh, it would take me a second. What's the one you sent me the picture from? Yeah, it's the first gas station. It's the first gas station stop out of the park, out of um, where we camped at. It was like- Lake. Yeah, it's like that first city that you roll into, and there's a gas station right there off the route. Yeah, Maybe that's it's a not town. Yeah. yeah, it's anyway, a little town. It was, yeah. it was morning oh, time. Oh, Grapeland. I think Grapeland, it might be Grapeland. Yeah. Oh, Grapeland. Because we got right. in, and I checked Instagram, and I saw that they had been there hours earlier. Yeah. Very many hours earlier. <laughs> um, With many more miles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lots of change between where we were and where yeah. they had been. But mm. anyway, it was morning, and I saw the cereal, and I was like, I could eat that cereal. And then I looked at Steph, and I was like, I could put my protein shake in those Lucky Charms, ah. and everything will get better. Um, so yeah, that was that was the most exciting moment. Actually, sure. I, I've never heard of that one. It, it might be worth a shot. Actually, that that doesn't sound terrible. That is a that is a first for me. I've never heard of that before yeah. either. So that's that'll that'll I'll add it to the list. Yeah. Yep. Um, I I. Uh, I pack up most of my food with me. Um, my favorite gas station food is, uh, I love to find Fig Newtons. Um, and then uh, Jumex. Uh, Jumex is, is one of my favorite go-tos. I can slam, a, I, I'll buy a couple of the cans of Jumex and I'll bring a can of Jumex with me and in my bag. And so I'll slam one at the gas station and I'll carry a second one for later. Um, it's like uh, uh, guava nectar or peach nectar or mango nectar. Did you legitimately find this on the route? Um, yeah, it's in every gas station yeah, in Texas. All over. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, but on on East Texas Showdown this year, I think that my favorite food was the pizza at mile 70-ish. 75. Uh, yeah, Radcliffe, that, the Hunt I, Brothers. I got I definitely ate two slices of pepperoni pizza there. But then I, I, I pack almond butter raisin bread sandwiches. I packed, I've also have, I've just been, the fruit roll-ups have been killing it for me. Like I, I put, I put like 30 fruit roll-ups in my back Jersey pocket and they stay warm. And then I just pull them out. I also stop all the time. I stop regularly and I'll just eat one fruit roll-up and I'll get back on the bike. So I stop, I get off the bike. I take 50 calories they are 50 calories each. And then, uh, the little tiny little, uh, beef sticks is the other thing that I really like right now lately. Nice. Yeah. What are you snacking on, Ariel? I'm not sucking on anything. Snacking. I'm just chilling. No, on the route. <laughs> oh, what was the sucking on the route? <laughs> a lot of things. Never enough, really. Um, oh, so my favorite thing was, I don't remember where the stop was, but it was like the Brookshire Brothers, the grocery store stop with the subway in it. 55, Apple yeah. Springs. So we got there, and boy, that was a party. I loved it. There's so many people there in various stages of death, uh, various <laughs> stages of life. Um, but we roll in, and... 
immediately someone was like, there's a subway. And it was like lit. Me and Emma are in there trying to think like what we're trying to plan like a whole meal. Um, and we're like, okay, like there's like, or there's re- food that's already ready. So like rotisserie chickens and like, uh, you know, chicken tenders. And like, then I see like there's pork ribs. And so Emma <laughs> and I are like, okay, pork ribs. Like, okay, we'll get some taco. Like we'll get some tortillas and it's like gluten-free gotta be. And so we're trying to figure out everything we're going to do. And at some point we're just like, you know, it sounds really good. And we're like, well, it's like subway. Cause it's right there and I don't have to make it. And I was like, that's a really good point. Cause I also brought my gluten pills and I was like, this is a perfect time to test and test, test out my body <laughs> with like, I, I'm not, I guess we're at mile 55 and I was like, Ooh, 20 more miles of gluten possible body seizures. Um, and so I was like, yeah, fuck it. And so I got subway, but the best thing was like, as we we're about to leave and I was like, okay, I've got food. There's another stop. I can figure something out for dinner. I'd forgotten to, to run by the place that we all get dry foods from. I'm not going to give them a shout out. It's REI. I'm a co-op member now. <laughs> um, but I'd forgotten to get a dry food. So I was like, okay, I have to figure something out. We're about to leave. And I go, no. And I walk back inside and I grab the pre-made pork ribs. And then they're like already warm and they look great. And it was like half a pound for like 10 bucks. And I'm like, this is the best deal ever. Tuck it in my bag. We do the rest of the ride. And like, it's dinner time. Or it's like, we're all by the fire, right? And I'm like, okay, how do I heat these ribs back up? I think Emily had like, um, uh, Emily Bikes Her Death, Emily, who's amazing. She had um, uh, marshmallow, the roaster things, the stick that goes to the extendo stick. And I was like, great. I stuck it in the meat, in the ribs, like in between the ribs and just like held it over the fire. And so everyone's like, what is this person doing? And at one point it almost dropped, like the meat kind of tore and it had to go like that and hold it and then kind of pulled it back. And I spent the rest of the night just eating those ribs. And I tell you what, um, I shared probably like one rib with someone, uh, but I ate all of it and I slept so well and had so much energy the next day. Uh, and I was just like, dude, meat saves. I will, <clears throat> meat saves. Meat saves. I was, uh, <laughs> what was really happening is Ariel was warming up his pork ribs and there was like 20 of us around the campfire all like, well, well that looks pretty good, Ariel. <laughs> yeah, he shared one. I think, was it M that got it? No, it was, uh, was it Dan? Dan? Yeah, it was Dan. Yeah, one person. Yeah, it was but Dan. he had a bunch of, Hungry eyes on them, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, next, oh, next time they'll get their pre-made foods and bike it there. There you go. Pro tip Pro from tip. the master. Pro slum. Uh, my favorite snack is, uh, especially hot in Texas, which it mostly is, is the Twix ice cream bar sandwich thing. Like, better than Snickers, I'll just say it. The Twix is where it's at. With a Coke, that's my favorite. Okay, I mean, I might not have some friends after this. It's okay. <laughs> uh, that's my favorite snack. Uh, I discovered, well, I didn't discover them, but for the first time in my life, when I did my ITT, I tried Hunt, Hunt Brother Pizza at mile 75. I never had had it. I'd always been able to avoid it. I assumed it wasn't very good. It's actually, like, not bad. 
it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it was actually, I, I think I got like three slices of it. I, was, I got one and I kept going back and ordering more of the pizza. I went in there and got that second piece of pepperoni and it was the last one that for the at that moment. Oh, yeah. And I, I felt bad for the people behind me because there was no more nah, left. Fuck and, and I, they yeah, were too slow. It was too slow. Yeah. 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 Not as slow as me. Slower than me, which is hard to do. <laughs> yeah, they didn't earn it. Uh, so, Hunt Brother Pizza, absolutely. Jessica, you got a question? Howdy, friends. Howdy. Uh, so, we've heard about all these great adventures you've had in various iterations of East Texas Showdown, but something that Patrick had alluded to earlier, and Patrick, of course, you can um, answer this as well. What is next in terms of your next bikepacking race? But more importantly, what is your next bikepacking trip? It could be the same thing. Uh, what are you looking forward to? I'm not going backpacking again until at East Texas Showdown next year. <laughs> I, I accept that. That's yeah. fine. It's a joke. It's a joke. I'm just kidding. I think I would, you know, I was thinking maybe I would do something in Central Texas, maybe some other, maybe some other. Hmm. I just, I might have a route for you. <laughs> He's trying to get me to spill the beans and Emily that, told me not to. Yeah, so I'm caught. No beans will get spilled. Today. Okay. That's, Things are happening. They're though. just talking about in a week. You know, we're gonna do a bikepacking basics uh, camp out and clinic and Central Texas. It's gonna be really fun. It's a weekend that's on a calendar um, that I should know. There we go. See, yeah. perfect. April fifteenth and sixteenth. It's like a week from a week and a half. Yeah. There's some time between then and now, so you can sign up and you can come bikepack with me. And Emily Monroe and, me, and Patrick Maxwell, Emily. and Maxwell and Emily Thornton and a whole mess of M other wonderful coming. people. Yeah, I said Emily Monroe. Oh, I'm yes, sorry. yes, yes, okay. yes. That's okay. I know you get the Emily's confused, but they're different. Is it a beginner bikepacking? What is it? What's going on? Yeah, beginner. You want to talk about? You got this. Uh, it's my event. You got it. See, Patrick setting Patrick up for the slam dunk. And but now, you were doing here so is. good. Here I am to talk about my own event. April 15th and 16th, we're doing a bikepacking basics. Other people call it bikepacking 101, beginner bikepacking, but the bikes are death uh, slant on it as bikepacking basics. And it really is just going to be a group ride April 15th and 16th. Uh, it's like 80 miles. It's a new route that I developed in Central Texas. I'll be honest, it's not like the most amazing route in the entire world, but it's between two state parks. It's easily accessible by Austin, Waco, Dallas. It's more of like a location thing. Um, but it will be 100% geared towards beginners. We're going to teach you how to pack your bags, some different kinds of uh, bike setups. Bike packing, so yeah. Did I say cyclist? No, I just, just want to make it clear that it's for beginning bike packers, bike packers. and not beginning cyclists. Because yeah. you, you should be able to bike 40 miles you got a bike yeah you gotta you be able gotta to, be do able the to bike yeah yeah can't be your i'm just saying hey you know what i'm gonna be in the back rolling slow we're gonna have the sag vehicle ariel is the we're gonna sweeper. be playing the, the new but i i do want to just say yeah. about that event is like if you just want to come ride bikes and hang out that's totally cool like definitely come and party with us but the entire weekend will be focused towards beginners the pace will be slow we're gonna have stopping points we're gonna slinky back together um so it's gonna be a pro slow weekend but it's gonna be great anybody should come um errol's gonna be there which is the most important thing is that what you wanted me to say that, yes that's exactly okay. what i wanted you to I, say <laughs> thank you for that i'll give my hug later uh <laughs> what is the oh the next event that we're doing 
or like ride or um i am going uh to do doom this weekend um which is in arkansas it starts on saturday morning at seven o'clock and it's about 400 miles and depending on like if you ask ride with gps or strava it's between 43,000 and 48,000 feet of climbing you're either going up or down there are no other yeah yeah. <laughs> don't question it <laughs> um yeah i think i think it's advertises like 110 feet per 10 miles east texas showdown is like 40 yeah <laughs> it's about it's about double it's similar distance but it's about double and then it's also like 80 something percent uh gravel so a lot higher rougher percent of of gravel yeah what are you doing this year, Hannah? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've said this on the internet yet. Um, yeah, I um, plan to attempt the Triple Crown this year. Um, yeah, which... Does, explain oh, yeah. what the Triple What's Crown the triple is, just crown? in case somebody <laughs> doesn't... What is the Triple Crown? <laughs> wow. Sounds neat. Um, so the Triple Crown is three um, of the biggest bikepacking races in... America. Um, the Tour Divide um, is in June. Um, that's the 2,800 miles that Russell mentioned earlier. That goes from Banff um, all the way down through following the Continental Divide to uh, southern New Mexico. Um, and then Colorado Trail Race is in August, and that's along the Colorado Trail, which is 540 miles um, of pretty much all single track mountain bike um, racing. Uh, and then in August, or sorry, in October, um, is the Arizona trail, um, which goes south to north all the way through Arizona. Um, it's about 800 miles. Um, and that's, you also have to carry your bike through the Grand Canyon, mm -hmm. which 26 I miles. learned recently. Yeah. Is 20, I think it's a 23 miles, oh, okay. but, um, that's my year. Can, can we not just, it's can we not glaze over that and let's, t uh, so <laughs> You have to put your bike on your back, hike down into the Grand Canyon, and then back out the other side. Yeah. And your tires cannot touch the ground other than setting your bike down to, to rest, right? You At can't ride it. At the end of the event. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's toward the end. It's north for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm doing this and year. And Triple Crown. That's huge. Congratulations. I mean, like that's, that's like exciting just to attempt it. So it'll be fun to follow along and... Watch how it goes. Uh, I guess to answer your question for me, I'll pick up where Hannah left off. Um, I've got a lot of rides planned for the year, but my biggest goals for this year were to do an ITT of the East Texas Showdown. Thanks to Hannah for encouraging me. Uh, and <laughs> I've given Patrick so much shit about not doing his route. Um, only a little, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but the I've right amount, it worked. Inspired you. It worked. It worked. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm working on a central Texas showdown route right now. And like when I was scouting it, I was like, well, fuck now I'm going to have to ride this <laughs> one too. <laughs> and I was definitely thinking about you. Yeah. Uh, Cause I can't be at that pre-race meeting. And Hannah's like, did you ride this one? I'm like, no. Uh, so my my other big one for this year, it's been a goal that I've had for a long time, is the AZT. Um, that just, the route, the desert, the floor of the fauna, like that terrain speaks to me. It's something I've wanted to do for like ever since I got into bikepacking. And I just decided this was a year. So I used like the showdown as kind of like 
a good jumping off point for this year, the way a lot of people do, which is super cool. A lot bigger rides coming up. And this is like kind of a cool shakedown, get your feet wet beginning of the season type ride. Um, so yeah, I'm going to gear, I'm gearing up toward do, to do the AZT, but I'm doing the 300. So that's, that's my goal for this year. What other Becca? Yeah. Becca's Hi. got a question. Hey, Becca. Yeah. Um, so what is a lesson you learned in East Texas showdown that you're going to carry with you for your next race or trip? Ooh, good question. So I'll go first. Um, I, uh, in these types of situations, I, I always carry two pairs of socks and here's the mistake I made. <laughs> I, I went through the first water crossing, got my feet wet, changed socks. I didn't change right away, but I did change my socks shortly thereafter. It wasn't that cold and I changed my socks. And so I had one pair of wet socks. And when I went through the second water crossing in the night, I did not stop and put my wet socks back on. They weren't as wet, but they were still wet. And so then it was three or four o'clock in the morning. It was kind of cold and I had two pairs of wet socks instead of one pair of wet socks. So the lesson I learned is take them, if you, if, you, if you already have a wet pair of socks and you've got another water crossing, take three minutes, stop, put your wet socks back on, do the water crossing, and then you've got a dry pair of socks. Keep a one pair of socks dry at all times um, is my lesson. Yeah. Short and sweet. I like it. And, and you should have two pairs of socks with you so you can employ that option. Oh, and brake pads. And brake pads. Yeah. Always brake pads. Uh, mine's kind of on theme with that. Um, I have always had a rule that I would always have at least two pairs of chamois um, with me. Um, um, yeah, yeah, Steph knows. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what it was that this time I didn't bring an extra pair of chamois. I think maybe the mentality of like, okay, I I'm not gonna stop to like sleep. Mm -hmm. So if I don't stop, then I don't need to change chamois. Not true. (laughs) (laughs) It is still 400 miles, no matter how quickly or slowly you do it. Um, so I already knew this lesson and then I just proved it to myself again. Um, cause I only wore one pair of chamois and that was super not fun. Um, and I, I always tell people, I'm like, you should bring two pairs and they should be of different styles or different brands. Cause if you bring the same, even if you have a clean one of the same version, then all of the seams are in the same place and it's rubbing you the same way. Um, so it, it is proven you absolutely should bring, um, an extra pair of chamois with you, um, because it's just a bad idea not to, um, and they're really not that big or heavy. So I'm trying to to think of something bigger than my nausea situation. You want me to do mine? Go for yours. All right. What was mine? Oh yeah. I remember. So I did, I did an ITT of the 400. I did 340. Um, and then I tapped out on the death loop. And then I did the death loop with my daughter like five days later, which was pretty cool. Um, but the thing that I learned on that ITT, or I, I should say I relearned it, is this shit is fucking hard. And uh, <laughs> it, it was a good reminder to me because I... I <laughs> is it <Sorry>. not? <laughs> Am I the only one who thinks it's hard? Now you know. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Now you know. Well, I did 500 mo four. That, that, yeah, I, that's what I say. Like it, I re, I relearned it because it's like anything like it's that type two fun where 
you know, a year later, you only remember the good stuff, you know, and it had been a while since I'd, it'd been five years since I like pushed myself in that way where I'm just like, I'm going to just push it and see how far I can go instead of camping and doing eight hours here and there. And that perspective, I think from, you know, being bikes for death and from talking to people, it, it's good for me to be reminded of how hard this is and, and, yeah, like the efforts that people are going through and like 160, 280, 400, like these are very hard uh, and big accomplishments and we shouldn't downplay them in the shadows of like Tour Divide and the Triple Crown. Like these, these are real uh, tough endeavors, endurance efforts and anybody who does them is, is truly incredible. And so that was like a good reminder uh, that I had whenever I did mine. I remembered another good one. Um, <laughs> before Kennard, I tried to lay down outside of a church. Um, and the lesson that I keep learning and I, maybe one day I'll actually learn it, but if you lay down to sleep and you're like shivering, unless you have like enough gear to like change out of your wet clothes, you might as well get up and keep riding. Cause I had set an alarm for 20 minutes. Cause I was like, I'm going to nap for 20 minutes. And then I just like laid and got colder and colder and colder and just shivered for it was a complete waste of time so yeah if you like if you lay down and try to sleep in the middle of the night and you're just shivering like just get back on your bike uh one more question all right last question and then we're wrapping it up i don't know if it's a good enough one to end on no it's it's gonna be great hey y'all um i think maybe to build on patrick's last point i'm curious how you all go about training for or preparing for these kinds of races whether mentally or physically, if at all, maybe is it just something that you kind of figure out as you go while you're out there? But even like for Hannah, for your triple crown, like how do you plan to prep for that? Um, I think the the training thing, it feels kind of new to me still um, because I, for a really long time, have just liked riding my bike and like um, I think my frame of reference is a little different from people because I started with a really long tour and so I was used to doing really long miles um, and then just had the opportunity and also like the community in Austin to just be constantly riding my bike. Um, and I've tried to have a little bit more of a plan. I don't like have a coach or anything necessarily, but um, especially for the stuff that's coming up for me, I think the biggest thing is just being in the saddle as much as possible. Um, and then trying to take care of myself better in my daily life. Um, cause it's one thing to be able to go out and do these things and only sleep for a couple hours, um, and only gas station food. Um, but it's another to like in everyday life, actually get eight hours of rest and actually eat breakfast, um, like basic human needs. <laughs> um, uh, so I've been trying to do that a little bit better because if you're taking your care of yourself better in your daily life, then you're going to be in your best shape to do the crazy thing, um, later on. Um, but as far as like actual training plans and things, I haven't like written anything down at this point in time. Um, it's really just trying to like balance having a full-time job and also trying to ride my bike as much as possible. Um, yeah. Yeah, I also don't follow um, any super specific training plan, although I will say my training has, like, changed pretty substantially in, in the past year, even since doing this. Um, I've done a lot less super long rides, although that being said, 
some of you guys would probably call me out if you looked at my Strava, but um, I kind of cut myself off around like eight hours as far as the training ride, just because I found like the amount of time it takes to recover from a ride that's longer than that is just simply not worth the like effects it has on your training, unless you like use something like East Texas Showdown to like train for a future event. But besides that, I like, I really try to kind of keep it like, 140 was the longest training day that I think I did leading up to East Texas. Um, and then just getting like that day after day, like saddle fatigue is, is I think pretty critical. Cause then, you know, like when you feel really tired on day two, it's fine. You just like keep riding. Um, that I also have a puppy last year. I did <laughs> not have a puppy and that has definitely made things. The puppy has cracked me more times than training has. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> I think like physically getting ready for these races has been interesting because I do also don't do any like formal training and the bulk of my miles comes from like commuting. And so I try to make sure like that's actually been a very fortunate thing was this August, my car died. And so I've been like commuting since August, um, to mixed, mixed reviews on that one. Um, but I try to like basically keep a good base minimum of miles each week and then do ranging efforts like once a week. <clears throat> and I do like, like one group ride a week. I try to do a lot of solo riding because I, when I race single speed, it's really important not to get caught up with other people's paces. And so, like, if you're doing races and you're trying to, like, race people with a geared bike, you will crack super early unless you're, well, I was going to say, unless you're Travis Jolly, but I guess. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I love that he did that because it was, like, that was, like, legendary in single speed history. Basically, this guy. So, you, yeah, yeah. Say, say what he did. So, I'll say it from, like, someone that was not doing the big race. I, like, heard, when I got to the campsite, I heard rumors that there's a single speed guy who out of the gate hammered it starting the race and like blew up people's race plans, like messed up a bunch people of people. as in Dennis and Kuya. Yeah. <laughs> who still like won, you know, credit to, I guess, people who have gears or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but like, it was like, I remember just hearing like, oh, this guy in a single speed bike just cranked it out and like dropped everyone and then he cracked really like 60 miles in or something. And no, I was 140. Just, was like, at oh, one, good. At Even better. At yeah. 140 cracked. And I was just yeah. like, I love him. Do you, Dude, that guy was do you moving. Know, do you know what mile Kim's was? What gas station? 200. So we were on mile 200. I pull in after like the rest of the crew and it's like the classic ultra scene of like 20 bikes outside because it was the, the slowdown and the showdown had like combined at Kim's. Kim's was like a place of refuge. It had benches. <laughs> people were like sleeping. So we're like, we're in Kim's. I change. I get to the bench. And I'm like looking at my phone. I finally look at like track leaders. I'm like, where is Travis Jolly? This like <laughs> mythical man who's on his single speed. Like, is Travis Jolly still out in front? And then I look and it's like Travis Jolly was here 37 minutes ago. And I was like, Travis Jolly must have cracked. And then I think it was, I think the guy's name was Ben. Yeah. He was sitting on at a bench. He's like, Travis Jolly is right here. <laughs> <laughs> and Travis Jolly was taking a nap <laughs> right next to Ben. And I was like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, Dennis wrote a pretty good uh, write-up that's actually, can I say what it's going to be soon in the right of it? Yeah. So uh, 
uh, Dennis submitted his article to the Radivist and they're going to be publishing it, but he expands on, on that interaction with Travis. I was out on course that first day taking photos and I was photographing the lead uh, group and I was reviewing my photos after like Travis, uh, PJ, Kuya, Dennis had all like passed me. I was like looking through my photos and I zoomed in. I was like, holy shit, he's on a single speed. Uh, and I think this Dennis and Kuya had a similar, they're like, that guy's on a single speed. I mean, it was truly incredible. He's, he, he's also going to Doom. And so I've heard that this is kind of his regular race plan from his friend Dan. And so I'm curious as to if like a similar scenario will plan out. <laughs> but Dan also took really good photos at the finish when Kuya and Dennis finally met Travis. And you can like see such good emotion from like, they're black and white. It's such good photography from like every, Dan Perez, I think is his Instagram name. But you can see like all the emotion on every single one of their faces, just like the admiration, the respect, and like just the what the fuck yeah. <laughs> from all, every single one of their faces is like, it's really good. Dude, that was, that was fun. It was a storyline that I think will ripple through uh, time for a while. I don't know. I'm making up words. But what I was going to say was like, I think that with race prep, it's finding something that fits you personally. Like you have an idea of what you want to take into a race. It's really like the thing I love about gravel. A lot of it's just like you do your own thing. You figure out how it shakes out at the end, but it's really mostly about pushing yourself. And I think there are people that get caught up in racing each other. And there's like a specific time and place for it. Um, and like an entire, you know, the podiums for that. Um, but I think the rest of the races are about really finding where you and your bike are with each other and like in these different environments. Um, and so like I've learned that mentally it's really important to like not set expectations that I think are unreasonable. Um, and, and that means a lot of things. Like you can expect to win. Like if you set out with your intention to win, it's like, yeah, but like, okay, are you going to be like sustainable with your output? Are you going to build up to that thing? Are you doing the things that help set your intentions right? But personally, I learned that I need to have a lot of grace for myself, especially in like the roll up to these events. Um, and even during them, I think that I realized that I'm there to do my own thing. I'm doing it with other people and there's connection in that, but like, I don't have to chase. I don't have to like 77, when someone's in front of you, you're naturally going to be like, ha, 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 I'm going to get you. Um, and you do that for like kind of a ton of miles as you just slowly beat every single person. But I think that like when you focus on doing your best with what you have in the situation that you're placed in, it's like a mental preparedness that you really make for these events. Um, and yeah, sometimes you get to exceed that. You get to go way further than you ever thought that you could do. But um, I think that you should... Yeah, really, I guess my thing was the change, big change in me and my training and preparedness was like learning to have grace for myself as I go into these challenges. Well said. And I'll just add to that. Um, I, I've got a, an old friend who is a, he's been riding bikes for 40 years. And Jeremy used to always say that cycling is cumulative. Every pedal stroke that you make is inside of you your entire life. And so the more you ride the the better you are prepared for the next thing whatever that thing is so for example for east texas showdown i i had four i had 100 miles in me i had ridden nothing and i rode 160 miles without with no training at all on fruit roll-ups okay <laughs> and some some of that is because i i've been riding bikes for 15 years so some of that is just because 
my my brain and my body know that I can just do that. And there's a difference between that part of what happens on an event on a, on a ride like this. Like that's one night, whereas some people are out there for two or three, or in the case of Tour Divide, 14 to 27 of those days linked in a row. Right? Um, that requires uh, that requires training. Right? Um, and and that training can be just spending a lot of time in the saddle, or it can be hiring a coach and 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 having a more structured plan if that's what what works best for you but i find that in these types of events the people that are that are that do it the best are oftentimes don't have a a coach uh they just ride their bike a lot and and a, and it's a lot um so i think <laughs> so like when when stephanie says when stephanie says i don't i don't ride my, stephanie rides her bike a lot um she rides her bike a lot, and hannah rides her bike a lot um and i think how fast you go is uh, Ariel. <laughs> do you, I ride, I ride Ariel rides his, uh, rides his bike a lot. I mean, like comparatively no, but like, uh, you know, and comparatively no, but comparatively the rest of the world, yeah. So much Damn. 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 Just any random fucking person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you ride your bike a lot too, Ariel. It's a lot of single speed miles, which is like twice as much if you think about it. You want this? No, I don't want that. <laughs> this is over. It's done. Uh, to pick up on Re what Russ said, they ride their bike a lot, but I find time and time again, the people that do well, actually even like pro slow, Brendan, like they're having fun. The people who are successful are having fun. They're smiling. They're happy. They love doing this. Um, and I think that there's something to that. You can't endure something very, very hard on grit and determination alone. Maybe you can. I can't. Uh, but a lot of people are happy. But Russ is going to tell me I'm wrong. Well, no, I agree with you. Okay. But I think that if you if you were to if you were to look at the people that are at the front of the race, if you ask Dennis, he's going to have a very different answer, right? Um, because because when you're when you're trying to go super fast, or when you are fast, or when you are trying to win an event like this, it is different. I think than than just the pro slow category, right? So when For you sure. so when so there is that there's a big difference between someone who's going out and doing this event just for fun or for their own personal growth as a cyclist, and someone who is going out to 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 set a new course record, if you will, right? Those are two very different things, and so they're while they're while they're at the at the in everything up to that point, it is a lot about just riding your bike. But then it does get very focused. If you want to, if you want to, if you want to be at the front of the sword, at the tip of the sword, if you want to win uh, Mid South, or you want to win East Texas Showdown, or you want to go win Doom, you can't just fuck around, because then you'll just find out. Fuck around, find out. I mean, Kuya <laughs> uh, last year when he won it, he finished the 380 miles in less than 24 hours, just right under 24 hours. His stoppage time was like less than 30 minutes, like total, total for two, uh, 380 miles, which is insane. But I was there at the finish line. Like that dude is smiling. Be like, he is so happy. And then he wakes up the next day and he goes for the death ride or the, 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 like, I don't know. We'll talk about, that's a whole nother podcast. A whole nother podcast. You need podcast. to get Dennis on that podcast. I know that's we a, need to have a, that. Yeah. We've had, I had Dennis and Kuya on last year, uh, but there's a lot of people I need to have on. All right, let's wrap this one up. 
Uh, thank you so much to my esteemed guests, Russell, Ariel, Hannah, and Stephanie. They like y'all. The thing that I love the most about what I do is the community, uh, whether it's through the East Texas Showdown, through doing podcasts, um, this community always shows up and they always show up with the most amazing people. Um, thank y'all for being here tonight. Thank y'all for coming to the first ever Bikes or Death live. Uh, this would be weird if we were just sitting here by ourselves, like talking back and forth. So it definitely makes it better. And uh, while we're on the subject of the East Texas Showdown, uh, is Maxwell still here? Maxwell is a great person who takes photos of the East Texas Showdown and everybody looks at him and then they want to come ride it. And uh, Maxwell's wonderful and he'll hear this on the internet later. Um, I, uh, I, I just wanted to give a shout out to Emily, who is the engine behind the East Texas Showdown. The event and these experiences, the relationships that we're building and the experiences that we have don't happen without a lot of work. And a lot of that falls on Emily's shoulders. So thank you, Emily. And go ride your damn bike. It was the middle of the night You grabbed your knife and you held it tight The sounds of beasts kept you awake The sounds they made kept you afraid In the morning you packed your bike Memories forgotten from the previous night You rode faster than ever before Was it your imagination? Merely folklore. Fear turned into strength as you pushed further. Every pedal stroke stronger and firmer. Your bike feels weightless. Your legs aren't tired. You think to yourself, just a few more miles. Bikes. Oh, death. Bikes. Bikes.